Folks, welcome back to this week's podcast. And uh, this week I've got uh, Ross and Kevin from the NABD, National Association of Bikers with a Disability. How you doing, gents? Yeah, good. Thanks very much, Bruce. How are you? Awesome. Yeah. I'm great. All good. You good, Ross? Yeah, yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Um, right. I think probably the best way to go with this is, as I do just about every week, really, can I throw the floor open to you guys just to tell us a little bit about the NABD, who you are, how you got into it, and um, and, and what it's all about? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, so the NABD, um, we were set up in 1991 by six bikers from uh, Stockport, Manchester, mm-hmm. um, who um, had a friend who ended up having his uh, lower left leg amputated uh, in an accident. So there's this idea that actually there's, you know, there's no reason why that person couldn't get back on a bike Mm -hmm. um, and sort of start to ride again. Um, And I was chatting with Ross before um, earlier on this afternoon, and I I reckon there's sort of four things that we do as an organisation. Um, so one thing that we do is is we sort of lobby government and the policymakers just to make sure that policy and and the law um, allows for disabled bikers on the roads of the UK. Gotcha. Um, we do sort of lobby, you know, the European Union, um, mm. and probably more so when we were a member of the European <laughs> Union. Um, but now probably it's it's going to be more so uh, in the UK. Um, the second thing that we do is we support disabled bikers in modifying their bikes. So there's a number of ways that we do that. We provide technical help. We provide contacts in manufacturers uh, and in fabricators. Um, and we also provide grants. And the interesting thing that I find about NABD is the fact that those grants are available to people who are members but also people who are non-members. So right. if you've got a disability, you need to, you know, you need to modify your bike. You can't afford to do it. You need a bit of a leg up, then you can apply for a grant to NABD. Um, and that application comes through to us. We have a look at it. Um, and then, you know, chance, chances are, um, in most cases, we will tend to sort of, you know, give you, um, you know, give you at least some of the money towards that uh, adaptation yeah, that you need to do to your bike. Mm. Can, I, can I just say there was no pun intended there when you said you give them a leg up? Oh, no, I did hear it. No, I thought I'm not saying it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then, sort of, the third thing that we do is fundraise um, because we, we we get absolutely no um, we get no funding at all from government. Um, really? All of yeah, absolutely. All of the funding that we get is through either fundraising with uh, our members. Um, fundraising with some organizations that we work closely with. So we have sort of business affiliates. We have other motorcycle club affiliates as well. And again, they'll help us out. Um, we have our rally every year. You've been nabbed. Um, and again, that puts some funds um, back into the organization. But other than that, we have no funding from government. Why um, is that? Why, why does the government not do that then? Why does it choose not to, to allocate any funding? Good question. Ross, why do you think that is? I haven't got a clue. It's been one of those things we've looked at for years and years to see if we can get any uh, government back funding or anything else, and there's just none out there. There's none available <clears throat> uh, for this type of thing. So as a, a charity, we have to exist the way we exist. Mm. 
yeah. uh, doing the, the fundraising we do. Um, because we've we've assisted the government many times. I mean, Kevin's <clears throat> touched on it a little bit there. Excuse me. <clears throat> we um, we actually. Um, and I don't think I'm being too in your face here. We actually wrote the codes that the government used for disabled people using vehicles on the driving licences. The chairman actually wrote all of those. And I said, if you've got this disability, it should go down as this code within mm -hmm. the coding system on the licences. Um, there are some times that we paid for things like that when we do uh, things for the government, but not very often. Mm. Um, so all of us do it out of the love for, for bikers, essentially. We're all bikers ourselves, or the vast majority of the bikers. Um, there's very few of us on the uh, committee that are actual, uh, actually disabled. Um, well, physical disabilities, there are a few mental ones between us. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that that's essentially it. So we're self-supported, we're self-funded, we do it all ourselves. Mm. I'll come to that a little bit in a bit when I do some more on funding. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if if you're disabled, th there are there are grants and things available for for cars, aren't there? Mm. Yeah, so it's, scheme. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just deemed as a, a sort of hobby, isn't it? As a, as a luxury, it's yeah, yeah. Who, how do you? I mean, how do you? How how would you combat or lobby that? Is that done via Mag? I mean, do, do Mag help you guys out? Um, we're affiliated to Mag, BMF, mm. etc. We all yeah. work in the same circles and everything else. This is really more for the chairman. It's not something that we as committee members actually get involved with. Okay. Um, but to actually get funding from the government, as in the motability scheme, et cetera, yeah. I don't know what, quite what the loopholes are there or anything else. Mm. I've never heard of it being done. That's not said that it hasn't been done, that yeah. motability has been granted. But I think they only grant it on one machine anyway, and most of the time it'll be for a car. For a car, yeah. Yeah, they consider motorcycles as leisure. Mm. I think there's, a, there's an issue with impression, and I think the impression is that if you've got a disability, then what the hell are you doing riding a bike? Yeah. Because if, if you can ride, if you can balance on two wheels um, and you can manage to get down the road on two wheels and get on and off it, then clearly you've not got a disability. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. that's the image that people have quite a lot of the time. Yeah, um, yeah. is that, you know, if you can ride a bike, then you're not disabled. Mm. Um, and, and that's it's completely incorrect. Totally. But I, think that, I think that's part of the reason why um, the government and the DVLA and people like Motability, that they just don't sort of acknowledge it and they don't, mm. they don't sort of look at some of the vehicles that they could be available. You know, you've got some, you've got some fantastic trikes out there they're purpose built for people to use, and actually, you know, you should be able to get under motability. You know, mm -hmm. there are some great bikes there that are very easily modified, um, dependent upon your disability. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, that should be available under motability. It shouldn't be this sort of big issue um, about things. It should it it should literally be as simple as you know, if you want a Ford, if you want to you know a Ford car. Um, under motability, then you know you can just as easily uh, get a Z thou under motability. motability. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah, be, yeah. you know, there shouldn't be a difference between that. In, in, you're in you're my right. Mind. No, there, there shouldn't, and it, and it's frustrating because in 
in my previous life, my previous employment, I I saw that motability scheme being exploited horrendously by many, many, many people. And uh, you know, it seems like they're handing out money to to certain cases without doing much research, and yet blanket banning people on the basis of it's it's for a motorcycle or a trike or something like that. Yeah, it just doesn't seem doesn't seem right, doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem logical, does it? So how did you guys get into into NABD then? How how did that all come about? Oh, I think I think Ross was there pretty much at the start, weren't you, mate? No, not back in ninety one. Uh, definitely not. Um, I've been involved with the NABD. Um, I've ride motorcycles myself. I've done all the way through my life. Um, so I uh, went to various rallies over the years, same as you always do. Uh-huh. Um, Came across the NAB rally um, at the time up in uh, up near Cheshire, and um, I was just speaking to people around and about, and I asked the situation on um, how they get funded, uh, why you're paying into the charity, where does the money go to, how yeah. much does it cost, etc., and things like this. And I was struck straight the way that everybody I spoke to, and I spoke to two or three people around the event that said to me, essentially, if you put your pound in that pot. The whole of that pound is going to help somebody on the bike. Mm, wow. I do things in business and everything else, and I know that everything has costs and everything mm. else. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be, and I said, surely that can't be true. And I kept going around and finding different people. And eventually I, I struck onto the chairman. And he says, oh, I'm the chairman. All right, here we go then. You know, how much money are you on, Mr. Chairman, and everything yeah, else? Yeah, the parked outside, yeah. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Um, and with a few Fs in there and everything else, he says, I'm not. <laughs> and I don't get paid either. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. Now I'm starting to figure this out. Now I'm starting to figure off where this is going. And he said, you bought your ticket to come into this event um, you're going to buy some beer here. Um, you're going to buy some merchandise or whatever else you're going to buy here this weekend. And this weekend essentially runs the whole of the charity for the year. Wow. So I looked into the pound, shillings and pence and went through the sponsorship. Um, and as you were looking around, a marquee was sponsored. The tent where all the marshals go to was sponsored. The fencing was sponsored. And you're looking at all of that, and these people spawn. So the event cost them, not nothing, but cost them a very, very little amount to put on. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked around the field and saw the 2,500, 2,000 people there, did the quick calculation in my head and thought, I'm going to quite some money off this. Mm-hmm. And that pays for the person that's in the office and for the office and the van and things like that. Yeah. Even, even the wow. beer sponsored. Yeah, isn't it? I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. We sell, we sell the beer. People can call the beer what they want. You can name your beer whatever you want, and I mean literally whatever you want. There are some really, really, um, uh, yeah, off the wall and crude suggestions in there. And people will call with the barrels of beer, whatever. But they'll we sponsor where they sell the bar, the barrel of beer. A company or an individual will buy the barrel of beer, and then oh. we sell the beer. So wow. the beer costs nothing. Because Fantastic. Yeah. And then we sell the beer at £3 a pint. So it's not ripping people off at an event yeah. at £3 a pint for real ale. Mm-hmm. And some of them are session ale, some of them are, you know, 8% ciders and things like that, three yeah. quid. Isn't it, 
and I think things like this really do reaffirm your faith in people, yeah. doesn't it? Because you can get quite jaded with with people sometimes with with what's going on, and then things like that where people just pull out the bag and out the kindness and yeah. generosity. It's yeah, yeah. wow, pretty I, humbling. I actually yeah. looked at it, and all the way through my life, I've given to charities, but once I've yeah. done it, I then think, you know, where where did it go? Yeah. Let's have a look at it. Let's have a breakdown. Let's have a look at the figures. And you go through, and even the big ones, and they say 100% of this goes to this mm. organisation. Yeah, it does. But then you've got the chairman sitting there on £200,000. Yeah, in the plush so, central London offices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hang on one minute. You paid that pound in. How much goes to help to to your cause, what you're doing? How much goes to help on that cause? How mm. much, when you've taken all of those overheads, how much is actually there? And then you find it's 95 pence. It's mm. 40 pence. It's 30 pence in the pound. Mm-hmm. So you're going out, you're earning your money, you're getting taxed on it. That pound is hard earned. You know what I mean? Because you pay mm-hmm. your tax, and then you give it to somebody and you find that 30 pence of it helps them out. Mm. I tell you, if you put a pound into a nabbed pot, the whole of that pound, we will see that one weekend a month where we get it coming in. I see all of that money coming in, and then I see us spend it to say, Joe Bloggs, number 9,472 grant. I see the whole of that pound going to help him onto a bike, going to help him get the adaptation being completed, get an engineer to size it up or put it on there. Obviously, as granting him £700, £300, £2,000, I see us grant that money back out. So I see it come in and I see it go out at every meeting we do every month. And I know that the person, Joe Bloggs, in the street has put that pound in the pot or the 10 or the 50 pence or the... What a guy came up to me a couple of years ago and gave me a check for five hundred pounds, and I stood there in hand on heart and said to him, "All of that five hundred pound is going to help bikers back onto the road." Brilliant. Brilliant. When, when, when I saw that at the NAB rally, I then said, "How do I get involved?" Became hmm. a member. Da, 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 over the years, you go. We're talking probably fifteen years ago now. Then you get dragged in a little bit, and then dragged in a little bit more, then dragged in a little. Bit. Kevin's got all of this to come. So. I started, <laughs> I started off and they said, yeah, can you come and give us a hand? I said, yeah, I'll marshal at the rally. I started marshalling at the rally. Yeah. I've gone through various stages till I've come to this point. I'm now fundraising sponsorship, rep liaison, and I also run the rally. I'm the manager on the event field for the whole of the weekend. So Blimey. I start on the Wednesday and finish off on the Monday. <laughs> where everybody, turn, everybody turns up and gets drunk on the Friday and Saturday. I'm there a couple of days either side of that, either setting up or clearing up. Blimey. God, that's dedication, man. God, good yeah. on you. Um, I think. I think the thing is, Bruce. You know, you you know that the biking community sort of, as a community, they're very giving. Absolutely. And, and you know, we are. Uh, you know, obviously, there's factions within the biking community, but generally, bikers tend to sort of, you know, they tend to sort of gather together. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I was I was always in sort of local bike clubs, um, and I was, uh, you know, I lived in North Manchester, so. Stockport, where the organisation started, is literally just around the corner. Mm. Um, and and I've, I've seen NAB right the way from sort of the, the early 1990s, where they've had a little stall on, on sort of Stockport Market, where they've had sort of an open day. Um, and literally, you know, they've, they've had sort of like half a dozen T-shirts um, and, and people go around with pots. And other than that, 
you know, they haven't got a pot to piss in, you know, that's mm. pretty much all they've got. Um, yeah, yeah. And literally it's using that to be able to collect, um, to, to collect money. Um, and the only purpose to collect that money is just to give it away again. Mm. You know, mm. and NAB, NAB is just that, you know, so like, well, give us some money, then what we'll do is we'll give it away to somebody so they can, um, you know, modify their bike, which makes it easier for them to be able to get on it. Mm. And I suppose the other reason I got involved in this is because my wife's disabled. Um, and, and when I first met her, um, I met her when I was 26, which is what, about two years ago? Um, something. <laughs> <laughs> when I met her, she was going say to the top. Hey, don't you start. It's my turn now. I'm doing, I'm doing one of those team hands things that they do, you know, to sort of when you want to say something. Um, <laughs> Uh, she was uh, she was going through a separation, and her ex husband um, kept saying, "Well, you can't ride a bike. There's no way you can ride a bike. You know, there's mm. there's absolutely no way you'll ever get on a bike or be able to manage a bike or be able to ride a bike. Uh, it's just not going to happen." Um, and, and we bought her a little H hundred, mm. um, and she did a CBT on a H hundred, and she was whizzing around like mad on this little thing. You know, fantastic little two-stroke machines. They are absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Um, and and that, for, that, for me, is is the sort of spirit of NABD. You know, it's, it's, it's um, I mean, Ross has written a really good phrase here, and he says, the main aim of NABD is to ensure that when it comes to motorcycling, a disability shouldn't be a handicap. Brilliant. And yeah. that's really what we're about. I won't, I won't take credit for that. That was written by somebody else. Oh, was it? What I will take credit for is Kevin's reading from my slides, my presentation that I sent to him <laughs> about brief. six months ago. <laughs> it is true. It is true. I have it to say, true. Ross, your your mic is distorting quite a bit. Are you wearing a, a, a lav mic or something, or is it just the one on your computer? How's that? Is that any better? Yeah, it's a lot yeah, better. A lot yeah. better yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll stick to that one. I've got multiple mics. Oh, I think okay, they yeah, all was, sound was... like that in the Midlands, Bruce. It's just the, it's just the way they speak down there. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I can only imagine what it must be like for for someone with a disabil- disability to to be given access to biking because I'm fully able bodied. And and when I got into bikes, I remember I was late late in in my life to to come into the, the bike world. Thirty two, I think I was. And that feeling, even on a one two five, even passing the CBT before I did the direct access, it just lit a fire. I just felt free. It was yeah. just that, that freedom all of a sudden. So I can only, in fact, I can't really comprehend what it must be like to, to go from feeling like physically restricted because of a disability to have an access to get on a bike or a trike and just have that freedom again. You're almost, you're, you're on a level playing field again with people, aren't you? Yeah. Awesome thing to be able to give people. I think that's what a lot of people say. That. I was reading a few comments on the um, Facebook group and somebody oh. was saying that. They were saying that actually... You know, one of the great things about NABD is that it allows people to be on the level playing field. Yeah. You know, so if, if if we're at a rally or if we're going on a ride out, it means that everybody's exactly the same. Everybody's yeah. on a bike. Everybody's on two or three wheels. Um, and it, your disability just doesn't matter. It's yeah. neither here nor there, you know. And, and regardless of whether, you know, your trike's got a wheelchair attached to the back of it, so that when you get off, you can move around. That, it, none of that matters. It's the fact that you can still be within that group of bikers and you can still be calling yourself a biker 
and you yeah. can still be traveling, you know, in the same way that everybody else is. It's sort of fantastic. Yeah. It really is. I've, um, I had a chap on this podcast uh, last year, maybe a year before, who's a member of of my my clan, my patron, a chap called Martin, Martin Yoxel, who's now since become a good a good friend. He's the one legged pirate. It's a guy I did, I did a wheelie school. He dragged me along to this wheelie school, and you know I got utterly humiliated by a pirate with one leg flying down the runway, uh, and. Um, you know, you're talking about level playing field. When Martin is on that, but um, when he's on that bike, you wouldn't know. You, you'll have absolutely no idea the bloke's got one leg. You know, he, he can ride better than most people out there. And you know, as you said, it's just a level playing field, isn't it? Yeah, and in fairness, his his false leg is going to be a lot lighter than his other leg, so he does have an advantage. Don't let him get See, away with that, mate. I told you, Martin, you got the weight advantage, <laughs> and he's a bit more athletic than me too. <laughs> he can outrun me as well. How bad's that? <laughs> is his channel right. drive the bike he rides? Uh, well, he's got he's got a tractor, he's got a GS, but he's also got a normal bike with a chain as well. I think he's got a few yeah, bikes because um, whatever leg it is, you can balance out the shaft. You see. <laughs> ah no, but no, but it's it's his right leg that's that's gone. The shaft's on shaft's on the left, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's lopsided. <laughs> he could still outride me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, gents. How about we I mean we'll discuss things as we go, but if we open it up to the questions, they often just you know, they can take us more in depth into into the subject, but they can take us down all manner of different paths. I was uh, yeah. just I was just going to say, uh, Kevin, did you want to mention about the learner scheme? Yeah, uh, that was the fourth thing I was going to mention. Oh, okay. The other thing that we do is we have um, a number of loan bikes. So we have one, two, fives, but they're all adapted. So every single one of our one, two, fives is adapted. And it means (laughs) if somebody wants to learn to ride, but they can't get hold of uh, a normal uh, one, two, five, because they can't ride it, then we can loan them a 125 that's already been adapted, which means that we can deliver that to them wherever they are, um, and then they can use that for however long they need it um, to be able to get through the CBT um, and to be able to get through their sort of mod one um, and and get themselves on the way then. Wow. God, that's awesome. That is awesome. How long has that been running then? How long have you had that sort of service? I've I've known that as long as I've been associated to really yes yeah wow um, we've got several that are adapted different ways so um, sort of left hand controls so everything's taken from the right hand side up mm. and down and we've got controls moved and on handlebar controls etc so we've got different one two fives that are adjusted for different disabilities and then okay. we loan them out at three months at a time we don't charge them for the loan. Um, they, 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 all they have to pay for is delivery, and it's a one-off charge all over the UK. They pay for delivery. They insure the vehicle themselves, um, and then they can use it to get through CBT and their test right away through. And then once they've passed the test, we'll then take the vehicle back and they go and uh, buy the machine that they want to ride. Brilliant. Brilliant. How do you get the word out about you guys? Because I, I, I genuinely knew nothing about you until you, you, you contacted me. Various different things. We've got around 30 reps all over the UK, of which I'm one as well. So we go out to any events that will have us for free. Mm -hmm. We won't pay, so we won't go to the big ones where they say, 
Yes, yeah. come here and it's six hundred pounds to put a stall on, or three hundred pounds. Six grand. <laughs> we will not. We will not go and do that because mm. that's wasting our resources. So Absolutely. We, we will piggyback back on the other. And there are certain companies all over the UK support us very well and give us free tickets to attend the event. So yep. we walk around with the shirts on and our logos, and you know, put flyers out, etc. And um, so that that's it. It's word of mouth and being at the events, whether it's a bike festival one day, we've got a national stall and then the reps all go out as well. And then things like this, going to either companies or people, certain companies will invite us in and say, we'll be, you know, you can be our chosen charity for the year. Can you come and yeah. tell us what you do? Hence why we've got that presentation that Kevin's ripped off of me and is scurrilously using behind my back to, uh, to be a <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you guys do you know that there are pr companies now i mean they always have been um that used to deal with the print media and they're now coming on board onto into like the influencer world you know with youtube and, and instagram and everything like that I've, I've got a few contacts we'll have a chat when this is done but you know maybe you can point you in in the direction of a few of them because i'm sure you know uh, I'm sure there are some either manufacturers or other companies out there in the bike sector who would welcome NABD, you know, to, to any of their events or onto their stalls when they're at various different events, just so you have a physical pre- presence at it. Get the word out there a bit more. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, no problems. No, we'll have a wee chat about it once we finish this. Uh, yeah. Gents, do you do you guys have a tipple, a, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a beer, anything at all? I've I suddenly realise we, we haven't started yet. I've got a cup of tea. I've got some water because the, I was told not to not to bring gin and tonic. All right, okay. And I've got some. I've got some Cadbury's mini eggs. Brilliant! You're stocked up and ready to rumble. That's my well, little tuck shop. I, I have a beer because this is this is about the only time I drink beer really, unless I'm away on a tour somewhere. Is uh, during the podcast. So, gents, slange. We should I should have done this at the start. Well, to your health. Good health. Lovely. Right. How about we fire across now and start some questions? There's actually oh, yes. a lot of questions. Um, NEBD is pretty popular, and it seems a lot of people have experience with them. Um, what I need to do is, uh, like you guys, I, I sort of exist because I get sponsored. So um, I have a couple of sponsors to read out. I'll just do the first one. I'll keep them very quick. Bear with me. Right, folks. Brew Time is sponsored by Ultimate Add-ons. Now, uh, Ultimate Add-ons, they provide mobile phone and action camera mounting solutions for bikes, for uh, pedal bikes. Pedal bikes, how old do I sound? Bicycles, bikes, all sorts of different vehicles. Uh, they do a multitude of different dustproof, waterproof, weatherproof, vibration-proof cases for all different types of phone. They do generic ones as well. And then they also do a whole load of different mounts. You know, you get ones that go into the yoke on your bike. You get clamps that go uh, anywhere on the stems. I use one from the push bike sector called the Helix Strap Mount, which is just a, like a ratchet strap, basically, with a, a ball mount on the end of it, and the case sits on that. That's the one I've been using for almost the last five years, four and a half, five years now. I've had no issue at all with vibration affecting the camera. I did have it once with a new mount they brought out, which was a rigid thing, 
I, that damaged my camera. I've never touched it ever again. I don't think they even do it anymore. I stick with the Helix strap mount and the case for my phone. It's brilliant. If you head to ultimateaddons.com, there'll be links down below, whether you're watching the vid or listening to the audio uh, podcast, check out the links down below. Ultimateaddons.com, use the code TPOT110, the number 10. So TPOT1 with the number 10, you'll get 10% off their entire range. Right, cheers to that, gents. We shall head across to uh, Patreon first, to the clan as always. So that's patreon.com forward slash teapot one. First one, Simon Orm. Morning, gents. Sounds like they do an awesome job. Give them my heartfelt thanks for the incredible work that they do. It's very much appreciated. My question is this. Has there ever been a modification that has challenged you, resulting in you having to think outside the box? Cheers and thanks again. I'm sure that must happen every time, does it? A lot of the modifications we're not directly involved with, as in doing the engineering. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing network of suppliers around the UK um, that love being challenged, love taking on the challenge. So we ring them up and say, we've got this challenge. How are we going to fix this one? And they will go away and do it. And to be fair, a lot of the um, standard modifications, the twin levers, the thumb throttles, the clicktronics, all of those come from uh, inspired thinking the way we actually design these. And we were involved in the designs and speaking mm. to the people, testing them, etc. Um, but as yet, we've not had one that's actually beaten us that said, you know, we cannot do this. We will uh, we will endeavour to try. Can you can you think of one that that really pushed the 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 mental machinery somewhat? I, I suppose in the early days, it would have been going back, and this was pre-my time, but I suppose in the early days, it may well have been the Clicktronic um, and getting the Clicktronic developed. What's that? Um, so it's an actuator that bolts to the frame that connects to the gear lever. Yeah. Uh, and it's a solenoid activated, so you've got a push-button control on the um, uh, on your handlebars, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of red for up and green for down, etc. and the Clicktronic just works and changes the gear. So, so if you haven't got a gear lever, they can use yeah. the clutch mouse and press the button and it will change the gear lever for them. So it's like a very you have a standard on GSs. Hmm. But if you've got sort of like a nineteen seventy-three Honda, yeah. um, then you just don't have that facility. Yeah. Um, it's like a rudimentary what? DCT for the Hondas. That, that. That's right, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um and, and the thing is that that you know, if you've got an older bike or you've got an odd bike. Um, you know, or you've got a bike that most of us have got, you know, that we've scrimped and saved to pay three grand for, um, then, you know, it it probably doesn't have those things built in. And I mm. think the good thing about the Clicktronic is that it can be fitted to pretty much any bike. Um, and it gives you the same thing. It gives you that push button control up and down. So if you've got a problem with uh, your left leg, which means that you can't activate your own gears, then it's great because we can fit that in and you don't need to. You can just push a button up, push a button mm-hmm. down, you're away. I know I know some able-bodied bikers that would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Nice one, Simon. Thank you very much for the question. Oh, God, I've just seen who the next one is. He's a regular in this one. Mark Fulcher. Right, stay awake for this question, gents, because these can get quite obscure. Help me, docs. 
these lads deserve a medal. So a few things to ponder over. When making a hot drink for one's partner, is it even classed as being affectionate if you don't say, hope you don't choke on it as you hand it over to them? Wow, you can see where his relationship is with his missus at the moment. Is there a way of blocking adverts and sales pitches of Instagram and Facebook in which my good lady can't see the latest and greatest food shrink wrapping tool or an onion-shaped purifier that keeps your fridge fresher your fridge fresher for months on end? Honestly, Amazon is having a Jeff and Field daily lately. Here's his question. Hotel showers. Do you use the freebie soap out the dispensers? I had a random thought the other day when using the free facilities that anyone could have filled these up and put put in whatever they pleased. So when washing one's face, you could be rubbing soap mixed with someone else's... uh, He's put man mix, but you get the idea. So hotel soap, do you use it? Definitely not, no. Never use hotel soap. Only use those little ones that you get. You know, the little sort of... You know, the little crappy ones that you get that you don't... You know, when you sort of, I mean, you must have it with your beard. I have it with my hair. Um, when you try to sort yeah, all of right, shampoo all right. it. Go, all right, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't have enough to be able to shampoo your head, you know, however long yeah. your hair is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I use those, but absolutely, I, I don't do the squirty thing if they've got big squirties in them. No, absolutely you know, not. I, I consider myself a, a man of the world. And it never even popped into my mind that they might do something like that until I read that question. And I thought, shit, I use those soaps sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. It's like oh, kettles, dear. isn't it? It's like kettles in hotel rooms. Yeah, I don't Always use them. wash the kettle before you yeah. make a cup of tea and never oh. use the water that's in it. Yeah, always wash it, boil it through, and then use it. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you and know that, somebody's, yeah. Or that, or just steal all the tea and coffee out of the room and just chuck it in the suitcase. Are you related to my wife? That's what my wife does. She's terrible. Anything that she can get away with, she'll take. In fact, your wife coming out with the, the little slippers in the plastic bag and the yep. dressing bag. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's her. That is her. God loves, bless your wife. Yeah, loves a freebie, <laughs> even if it's not free. She loves a freebie. Uh, cheers to that, Mark. Next one, Biker Espana. Great to see the podcast back, Bruce. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Chris. Thank you. Question one. Is there a specific type or model of bike that is easier to modify? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wes. And I'm Beth. And we're the hosts of the Where Our Minds Wander podcast. We love spooky places, morbid tales, and unsolved mysteries. Throw in some weird science, cryptids, and ancient legends, and you have entered Where Our Minds Wander. Join us each week as we delve into fascinating true stories from the supernatural to the naturally weird. Get your favorite beverage, settle into your comfy chair, and journey with us to Where Our Minds Wander. Listen and subscribe to Where Our Minds Wander on all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Not really, no. no. I mean, again, it depends on the modification that you're doing. Um, so some of the modifications we're doing, we're doing now are things like linked brakes. Hmm. So linked brakes are a lot easier on older bikes than they are on newer bikes because newer bikes have got um, ABS um, Mm -hmm. and they've got all sorts of sensors in the braking system. So that makes it much more difficult for us to be able to do things like link brakes um, on a a single lever. Um, So so I, I would guess if I had to... 
I mean, I mean, the answer is no, because we always try and sort it out anyway. But mm-hmm. older bikes are easier to work on, yeah. and therefore modifying them is is normally easier. Um, although, you know, we, we modify brand new bikes. Yeah. I think... It also depends on the disability as well. Mm. Some of the some of the uh, adaptations we use are, are are maybe just those curly bits of plastic for a cruise control for somebody to operate the throttle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the way through the range to somebody who needs a a trike that will accept a wheelchair in the back. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So it's yeah, a yeah. range of adaptations that we actually deal with. Um, thumb throttle. But then again, as I say, you can go right the way through. You know, mm. the time you modify the back of a machine to actually put a wheelchair in, lock it in place and get the controls to work, or even a sidecar chair on the side to get the controls to move across so that they can control it that way. It, it, it all depends on what the disability is and what you're dealing with. Yeah. And sometimes it's modifying the individual as much as it is modifying the bike. Right. And I know that sounds a bit weird, um, but um, sometimes our our membership are fantastic, um, and I would recommend everybody goes over to Facebook and joins our Facebook group because it's it's both inspiring and bloody hilarious all in one all in one fell swoop. You know, there was a guy in it the other week. In fact, let me read it out here. It says, "I joined your Facebook group a few months back. I've got MS." And I've got difficulty lifting my left leg up to put my foot back onto the foot peg, wondering if anyone else has had this problem. And somebody says, um, so I set off uh, and I keep my right weaker and limited movement leg out for a short while when I set off. Um, and then um, quickly I stand up using my left leg. So puts his left leg on the peg, yeah. stands up. And then grabs hold of his leg, the weaker one, on. <laughs> and puts it onto the peg, and then sets off. And that's a suggestion from one of our members. So yeah. sometimes it is about sort of adapting your style of riding. Where there's a will, there's a way. Adapting the bike. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, with a big community like that, there will be, you know, there will be somebody out there who's got the t-shirt. They've they've faced the problem, figured out a solution that's worked with them, and yeah, job done. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. I've, no. seen, I've seen chopped down aluminium ladders mounted to the side of a trike to get them on there. Really? They'll get, yeah, they'll get a set of aluminium <laughs> steps and chop them. So you've got like three steps or two steps to get up onto the, onto the Probably. trike. Probably. Yeah, they, they, we, one way or another, people do find ways around it. Yeah, Although, in awesome. fairness, they did live in a bungalow, so they didn't really need those extra two rooms. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a poor one, that. That's a poor one. Um, this is probably a very stupid question, and this is one from me. So um, I take it I take it there are no actual like manufacturers out there who who have who embrace what you are doing with bikes. There's nobody out there that actually caters with a manufactured bike for people with a disability. I take it they all have to be adapted, do they? Not always, no. Um, I mean, sometimes people will be able to, for example, they'll be able to ride a trike, in -hmm. which case there are manufacturers who manufacture trikes. And similarly, there are manufacturers who manufacture kits that will adapt a bike into a trike. Yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, again, you mentioned sort of the DCT stuff um, that Honda are bringing out. Um, and again, for many riders, that's sort of quite useful because yeah. it takes away the hassle of gears because mm -hmm. it's all sort of sorted. So th those sorts of things are quite useful um, and are standard and off the shelf. But yeah, the vast majority of the stuff we're, we're, we're having to adapt. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting what you said there with the DCTs. I, I, I have a friend of mine who sadly was diagnosed with Parkinson's a few years ago, and it's um, it's progressed quite significantly, and, and he's been forced to, to sell... He's been forced to sell a couple of bikes over the last few years where, you know, he couldn't cope with the one that he had. So he got a different one and, you know, a couple of months down the line, it's like, oh, I can't cope with this either. And, and he did try, I think he tried the Africa Twin with DCT and it was great because it had DCT, but the bike was just so physically big. He couldn't move yeah. the thing around. So it, that didn't last long. Did he try I'm the not, 1100 Rebel? Do you know what? I'm not even sure if he's still riding. I think he right. might have. He might have just decided, right? I'll just stick to a car now. I mean, he he treated himself to a lovely motor, so <laughs> he he may well just be in the motor now. I'll need to touch base with him and see. Um, right. Question two from from Biker España: Jam or cream first on a scone? God, this is contentious. This is this is civil war stuff. This is contentious. It's got to be cream first and jam on the top. Uh, you lose pretty much jam doing it that way. It's got to be jam, and then you can put a real proper thick lump of cream on the top. I've never had it. To hold it. I've never had it. I've never had like uh, uh, cream and jam on a scone. I've never done that. Hang on, listening to your uh, accent though, the scone <laughs> to you will be made of potato. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, tatty scone. That's right. <laughs> I love to give it a bash. Never tried one of them. What do they call it? A, De a Devon cream? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Devon cream tea. Devon or a cream Cornwall tea. cream tea, because that's a difference, isn't it? Devon and Cornwall. Oh, God. Is that, is that about which one goes on top? Gotcha. Right. Okay. Gotcha. See, you look, every day is a school day. marriages as well. They have the same <laughs> argument there. There's no argument in my house. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, we'll move discreetly on. Louise Worsfold. Uh, cheers, Chris. Thanks very much for your questions there, pal. Louise Worsfold. Amazing people, and they're doing an amazing job. Thank you for all you do. I'd always wanted to get my bike license, but the final push for me was knowing I was going to deploy to Afghanistan. As morbid as it sounds, I didn't want to come back missing a limb, having never had the experience of riding a proper motorbike. I fully understand that you help everybody, but how much support and collaborative work do you get from military charities, and could this be better? You want me to take that one up? Oh, go on, you do that one. Yeah, we actually uh, we, we get very, very good support off the Armed Forces bikers. Brilliant. And they regularly give us some um, uh, funds uh, that are direct donations, and they ask us to keep it back for military personnel. And we do, don't um, split it between each section of the military. Essentially, mm. they give us it into the military funds. When we grant at the weekend, uh, the weekends we grant, we know if it's an armed forces because the, the grant number pins AF for armed forces, then it's the next sequential number, then yep. the person. So it's, we, we don't know the person we're actually granting for. Never ever do we know their name or anything else. It's oh, okay. just, yeah, it's just the next sequential number and then their initials. And then we look at different things, different criteria. 
So for the armed forces, we're supported by those. So they normally give us a couple of thousand pounds and then we work through it, whether it's 300 pounds or 700 pounds. And then when we get to the end, um, we then write back to them and say, we're out of funds, we've used them mm. on forces, this is what we've used them on. These are the people that we use them for, this is where we spent it. Um, everybody sits in the same order, though, so they're not given priority, but also they're not disadvantaged when we run out of armed forces funds. Yeah. So although the, the armed forces pot is in there, we don't use it for anybody other than armed forces people, but when it's run out, we will still keep hunting armed forces people. Mm. It, it keeps going sequentially. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a sad sort of fact, really, isn't it, from uh, especially what's been going on over the last 20 years that uh, I imagine that's been quite a sought-after grant, you know, a lot yeah. of the military people coming back, sadly. It is. That was probably one of my most emotional grants. Uh, mm. I actually asked to go around and see a person, and he was a big chap, bigger than me, um, way over six foot, and probably about six foot wide as well. He'd come back from the military campaign and he used to ride as a, as a kid. Mm. And he'd ridden up until he went out on um, to a conflict and then uh, he unfortunately um, uh, sustained by an IED and got into a bad situation. And I went round, he, he lived local to where I used to live. Um, a big hawk of a chap and he came in and he said, I don't know what you can do, but I've heard that Nab could help me. I went through it, explained, I saw his bikes, he got a trial bike out there, he got a road bike out there. And he says, you know, I need this and this and, you know, what is available. So I explained what was available. And I said, all you need to do, I says, is um, just write to us. Tell us what you want. I've told you what's bits and pieces. And I've got, like, handlebar set and everything else and a bit on the electronic. I showed him the wall. And I said, how much will it be? And I said, I says, nothing. I said, we'll be your grant. I said, you can do it. You're able-bodied enough. You can fit yourself if you want. Mm. Uh, the kit and, and I said that will save us some money I said but we'll essentially if you grant successful we'll give it so on that one I wasn't able to join in with voting because I knew the person so I was able to join in the vote and the granting process because I know all the details about yeah. him yeah. Um, so when I went both his missus and him and uh, they got like a, a reasonably grown up job and they're all there in tears because what I could do for him and the fact that I could get him back onto the bike wow. and he was a big big chap and gave me a hug and just went, Ross, he said, I can't believe what you've what you've done for me and what you can do. Mm. And I said, that's just it. That's the association. That's what we do. Um, yeah, the next meeting, there was this grant application. I abstained. I'll sit out on this one. You do your voting. Mm. Armed forces. There it was, granted. Sent down to him. Text came through. I've got my kit. I'm fitting it. I can get back out on my bike. Brilliant. And, and and that sort of stuff, it's invaluable, isn't it? You can't put a price on what that's probably done for the guy and, and for his family. Just just for your just for your mental health. You know, if nothing else, just just mentally what that must do to get a level of independence and normality back into your life after something like that. Awesome. Do you, do you, sorry, go on. Freedom. Yeah. It's freedom. We all yeah. know what that ride a bike. Yeah, we, we spoke about it, didn't we? They've had that freedom taken mm. away from. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they then they've got to go in a box. They've got to, and they're being pigeonholed and everything. No, you don't. Hmm. We will help you. We will support you. We will get through it. So, awesome. Do you do? Do you do anything with the true heroes, uh, folks? They're they're ex-military who race, but all of them have um, uh, some form of disability. 
we've got we've got a few loose connections that we're kind of working on in British superbikes and things like that because there's mm. the sections that Rod in there. So there have been some conversations backwards and forwards, as with anything of this nature. And it's the same with any organisation that you're going into. They don't normally click straight away. It's right. normally a, a slow burn. Yeah. Um, go through, and, and, and even to the point that sometimes it can take a couple of years till you get to the end of it. And then all of a sudden, it's just we've got a partnership and a collaboration. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. You mentioned about manufacturers. And there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes about those that we can't discuss yet. But yeah, we, have, we have met with these people. Um, and it's kind of they're slow burning because nobody's got big checkbooks to give away money and everything mm. else. I get that. So uh, yeah, we're hoping a few of those come to fruition. So True Heroes is another one we're aware of. I think if any organisation wants to get in touch with us because they think you know between us you know we we can do some good for people, uh, mm-hmm. then yeah, we we're very happy to hear from anyone. And what would be the best way for people to do that then via your website? I think, yeah, just go onto the website um, and, and just email us because, um, as Ross said, the only the only paid member of staff that we have um, is Julie in the office, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can always guarantee that if you send an email into into NABT, it is going to get picked up and it is going to get sent over to um, the relevant volunteer who deals with gotcha. that area. So I think, yeah, go onto the website, contact us on the website. Brilliant. Sorry, go on. The way the association works with uh, Julie, Julie's a very busy person. We could do with three Julies. She is so special and so precious to us. Um, so please don't email the office. If you go onto the website, uh, nav.org.uk, you go in there, there's a contact page in there. Kevin's on there, I'm on there, the chairman's on there, the vice chairman's on there, the secretary's on there. You can literally click on the link and email any one of us and we'll okay. pick it up. And even if it's not us that deals with it, we'll get it to the uh, the relevant person to deal with it. Great. Right, folks, if, if anybody out there, you know, if you can offer help or if you've got some ideas or maybe you need help yourself or know somebody that needs help, check out the show notes. So if you listen to the podcast, look at the, the show notes down there. And if you're watching the vid, make sure you check out the description. If you're watching on the telly, you'll need to do it on a tablet, a laptop, computer, phone, something like that. Look at the description and I'll put the link direct to, to that contact page there so make sure you do that uh, right uh, Louise has a second question if you could change one traffic law what would it be God that's a good question it is isn't it it's a brilliant question one traffic law one traffic law what law do I think is nuts you bus know lanes. more about laws than we do Bruce bloody Which bus lanes would you change Bus lanes, get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Free that, it up. That, yeah, that is a good idea. I mean, problem with problem we have sort of in Manchester is the fact that bikes aren't allowed in the bus lanes. Mm. You know, yeah, so in- it, it, you know if you're riding a bike into the centre of Manchester, there are areas where you can have 32 buses all queued up waiting to go mm-hmm. into Manchester. Yeah. Um, and if you're on a bike, you have to sort of follow the rest of the traffic. Yeah. In- yeah, bus lanes definitely. I like that one. We- we had a we got a problem in London where Sadiq Khan and in his, in his infinite wisdom, he's he's put loads of bus lanes everywhere, but he makes the bus lanes so narrow because they now have one or two lanes exclusively for push bikes, which have raised 
pavements either side, so you you cannot get in there at all. But he hasn't widened the actual thoroughfare for for vehicles. And he puts a bus lane in there, which is too narrow for the bus to use. So the bus has to straddle lanes one and two. And then everything else is crammed, you know, into those two lanes if they can fit. And as a biker, you cannot fit. You cannot filter. It's too narrow. And half the time, the buses don't go in the bus lane. They sit in, you know, in one of the vehicle lanes. It's just like, what's the point of this? Just free it up and let everybody use it. And in London... There's 32 boroughs in London, and I think in 30 boroughs, you can use the bus lanes if you're on a bike. But there's two, at least two boroughs, where you can't. But sometimes you don't even know. You go from one borough to the next in a bus lane, you don't know you've done it, and next thing you know, you get a blooming ticket. That's just taking the mick, isn't it? It's the bane of my life. I hated that in London. Hated it. <laughs> anyway, woo-saha, I got that off my chest. <laughs> 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 what about you, Ross? Any traffic uh, laws yeah. that you'd get rid of? I think Do you have yeah. roads in the Midlands, Ross? <laughs> Do you have roads in the Midlands, or is it just sort of tracks for horses and carts and stuff? Yeah, cobbles. There's a lot of cobbles still, um, which are an absolute pain for motorcyclists. We need stabilisers, etc., for dealing with that. So... Um, I, I, I think one of the – it's not really a rule or a regulation, but it's the confusion over people actually riding um, um, uh, trikes, et cetera, and, and about the licensing rules uh, that, that are actually covered to that. Um, and the question that we get asked most often is, do, do disabled people have to take special tests um, uh, to ride for bike licenses? And it's the same all over the UK to get people to actually – and do this. CBT on a trike is an absolute nightmare. Mm. And I wish there'd be more people out there. Essentially, as long as they've got the adaptation, they can go out and take the same, the CBT, they can do the training, they can go and take a normal test, they can go out there and ride. They're riding at the same professional level. And that's quite annoying that people, and even if you speak to um, uh, uh, bike training schools, etc., they're kind of reluctant to get involved in that. Yet everybody is under the same licensing rules and regulations. Mm. So they can take the, 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 the same licensing, the same test, the same CBT. But that's one of the challenges that we actually get there. Um, so, yeah, for anybody with a disability to get in there. There was a guy that got their poor peripheral vision and wasn't allowed a license in the UK. Um, and essentially, we got around it by fitting more mirrors to his bike. And right. he, at the end, he got, we, we did the assessment on him, and he got better peripheral vision than a, an able-bodied, perfectly seen person because of the way his mirrors were set. Yeah. Um, and eventually, they granted him his license. He got his bike license and his car license and got everything back. But it was just the addition of a couple of mirrors yeah. to give him the visibility. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing. That's, that's the kind of challenge you've come up against. He spent, he, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was a couple of years trying to get his license and they just wouldn't give it him because of his vision standard. So mm. we then went through the process with him and actually, you know, got him on to, uh, got him on the rock just by taking a couple of mirrors. All right. And yeah. what you're saying there, like, so, so the normal CBT that you're saying that that's actually harder to do if you're on a trike. Is, is it physically it's, harder? It's trying to find the people that run a CBT. That will do it. Trike. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, cool. I suppose you would need to, you'd need to get an inner with like one of the big national chains initially, wouldn't you really, to sort of get that ball rolling? 
it, to be fair, it's just it, it's conversations, it's communications. Yeah. If somebody locks up on a tribe that is legal to do your, and I, I don't know all the testing rules, so mm-hmm. please don't quote me on any of these. But if you've got a if you've got a tribe that's within the bounds to actually do the CBT, um, it's getting the the, the, the uh, uh, rider training school to actually do it, and it's quite simple. And it's one of the frustrations that comes up quite often. Right. Essentially, if you've got the machine and you go, you should be able to do your CBT and your test. Mm-hmm. It's the same testing regime and everything else. So. I'd imagine that would be, you know, on a bu- just putting a business hat on for that training school. That would be a, a very positive marketing avenue to have in your in your arsenal, wouldn't it? Um, I may, I may have a contact for you. Well, again, we'll have a wee chat once once we've done the podcast off here. Might have a contact that might be able to put you in touch with for that. Could see. Um, okay, right. Where, who, that was Louise. Louise, thank you very much for your questions. Next, ah, Martin, Martin Yoxel. That's my my mate, the one-legged pirate. Here he is. <laughs> First off, well done for getting on the podcast. I'm a recipient of the NABD grant way back, which uh, bought me a thumb rear brake. So thanks again for that. My question to both. Would you consider being a patron of NABD and would was this to me? All right. And would NABD consider having Teapot One as a patron? Well, thank you very much, Martin. But you've got Billy Connolly. He's your patron, isn't he? We've got uh, we've got several people uh, that are patrons of the actual charity. Yeah, Billy Connolly is up there as well. Um, and there are several. Um, Stevie Simpson, who supports it massively. Uh, Stevie, one bloke in his mandolin. Um, he's uh, uh, unfortunately not going to be with us this year for our uh, national rally. Um, but yeah, there are many, many people uh, that are patrons of the charity. Uh, but yeah, possibility. Will, will, will we consider it? I don't know. You've always got space for another patron. I, I, I feel like I've been forced upon you there. I, apologies. I didn't know that was in there. So I, I tend not to pre-read questions either, so they're as much of a, a surprise to me. But, uh, thanks for that, Martin. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Uh, your second one. Back in the day, the internet wasn't as easy a tool to use as it is now. For example, I can remember waiting for my paper copy of Open House magazine to be delivered, whereas it's online as well now. I also struggled at the time to find any info on, on, on adap- adaptions. Adaptions prosthetics, especially as it tends to be something researched after the main event. So the question is, with YouTube being a prime example, are there any plans for a stronger presence on the socials? I've got to admit, when I was trying to do some research on you guys, but before the podcast, I've got to say, your social presence is horrendous. <laughs> it was it was hard trying to find out some information, so I'm glad you sent me a little pack. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spin this around the opposite way. If there's somebody listening to your podcast now who is good <laughs> on all the social stuff, yep. then please come and approach us. If somebody's got some time, I don't know, an hour a week or something like that, that can donate it, we would always <clears throat> be welcome at that. Brilliant. I'm sure I said to Simon, who runs our webmaster and everything else, who's been battling with keeping the website up and running, getting all the membership portal behind the scenes. I'm sure if I said to him, Simon, can we do some stuff on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and all the rest of it? And uh, he would he would have an absolute fit and he will be properly on me. Um, yeah, we do as much as we can. And a lot of us give a lot of time 
Um, sure. I've probably done what most people do. And like I say, we give it for free. So we all have lives, we all have jobs, we all have different yep. things to do. It, to push the people that we've got inside the committee now to do more is probably not a good idea. Um, no, exactly. Yeah. And so I think I definitely agree, though. You know, we, we have to acknowledge it is a chink in our armour. Um, mm. You know, and, and having a, uh, for example, having a YouTube channel where we could show adaptions happening mm-hmm. um, in real time. I mean, there's, there's some of that on um in within the um facebook group and on the facebook page but yeah i mean absolutely our um, i think our socials are the one thing that if there was anything that we could change or improve that would be at the top of the list right i'll 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 put myself up here i will if you want to i will do a video with with you guys or a couple of videos with you guys um I, I can't come to that rally that you invited me, me to. I'm away on that, so I'm, I'm really sorry I can't make that. But perhaps, perhaps we could do something where we we go through the process of somebody having their bike adapted, and I could go for a ride with them, and we could chat with you in the video, just like a 10, 15 minute long video. Maybe maybe we could do a couple of vids on it. But I'll obviously I'll have that on my channel, but I'll give that vid as well to you to put up on your own socials and your own YouTube or something. The other thing there, anybody folks, anyone that's out there that is willing to sort of handle an Instagram page or or something like that for for these guys, or at least have a little, maybe a a telephone or a zoom meeting with them and, and maybe just see how you could, you could help or give them some advice. That would be again, very much appreciated. I think, chaps, the thought of what you're saying there of you've already got a team of amazing people who are doing this out of the kindness of their heart. And social media these days, it is it is becoming a real exact science. So you don't want somebody who's already stressed and doesn't really know what they're doing and is you know figuring their way out on it. You need someone that knows what they're doing. Again, we'll chat about this afterwards. I think... I think there could be scope to get one of these specific PR companies on board who they also handle that. They, they handle the social media presence for a lot of people because at the end of the day, you know, we'll chat about it off camera, but I, I could see that maybe being a bit of a gore for, I know a couple of people that might be interested in having a wee chat with you. So we'll, we'll see what we can do with that. We'll see what That'll we can do fantastic. with that. It's the first thing people do, though, isn't it? These days, it's the first thing people do when they want to find out about yeah. something. They either YouTube it or they Google it or or they search on any of the, the socials. <clears throat> um, we're, and, we're, we're old school. Just yeah, I know. <laughs> on the, uh, uh, the 6th of May in Cheshire at Cheshire Showground, come on, buy your ticket, bring your wellies, yeah. and yeah. just come on and have a beer with us in the middle of the field. I'll be there, yeah. getting soaked or sunburned or whatever. Come and have a beer with me. Brilliant. Right, that's that's another thing to do, folks. We, we're bikers. We all love music. We all love a beer. We all love a get-together. But 6th of May, whereabouts is it again, sorry? Cheshire Showground. Yeah, again, Cheshire Showground. the website. The, the tickets right. are available on the website. Okay. Um, yeah, very good value. Come on, bring a tent or stay in a local hotel and use the whatever it is out of the soap dispenser on the side. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> do whatever you do. Just come up and see us. Buy yourself a ticket and come and see me. I'll be around, normally with my hair on fire on the back of a quad bike with a radio with a shouting at me. But I still get time for a beer. Come and tap me on the shoulder. It sounds too good. I've got to try and rearrange something. 
And three quid a pint. You have to think three quid a pint. Really? Listen, would you ever have thought, ever, you know, that three pound a pint would be a bargain? And it no. is nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bargain. <laughs> 95p a pint was, I remember, when I started drinking in Glasgow. 95p. Yeah. It was outroar when it went to one pound twenty. But that's 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 the thing. I mean, that is our main event. That is the big one. It is mm. the big one that we run in. We 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 run or attend many other smaller events all over the year, but that is our big one. This is the one that keeps us going. This is the one that we've got to sell tickets for. There's right. normally thirty-five bands on over the Friday night and Saturday night in two stages. So they're constantly running. There's a bike show on there. There's stalls all the way around there. There's a comedy show in the afternoon. We've had some great, great stars at the comedy show in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, some have been unbelievable. So there's something going on all weekend. And if you really fancy it, you can pop to church because we've got a church on site as well. Brilliant. Right. Well, I'll I, I tell you, I'll need to get some some promo stuff off of you, and I will start posting about that on my socials as well. We'll we'll we'll. We'll make sure we drive uh, people to it. Um, Martin's got a second question. Oh, no, 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 sorry. It's the third question. We've already done number two. Bruce, do you think we should plan some grueling, enduring fundraiser event? God, all right then, Martin. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. I think he's already chucking himself out of plane or doing a bungee jump or something. He's, he's already a skydive, <laughs> I think he's doing. I think. He's a nutter. Absolute nutter. Yes, all right, Martin. Get your hat, your thinking cap on mate and we'll do something we'll do something for it martin right. what are we going to it's got to be off the wall we need question four about what we're going to do and how we're going to do this <laughs> whatever we're going to do tie us all in if it fits with me i'll do something mad and i'll come and join you as well Brilliant. really don't have that at all you're going to um, regret that ross <laughs> i don't do regret i regret not doing things so can you wheelie a bike uh, I'm going to struggle with mine because I need to uh, um, strengthen up the front suspension. If not, I'll Ma- Martin is like Martin is like a young puppy now. Now that he can wheelie a bike, he wheelies it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, Martin, get your get your thinking cap on, mate. We'll we'll figure something out and let's do it. Right, next one. Just that, Martin. Next one. ATCJ5. This question is way off topic. Excellent. I just learned that you Brits do not eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Tell me this is not true. It is true. It is true. He's an American, and it is wrong (laughs) to put jelly, as they call it, which is jam. With peanut butter, that is just so wrong. I'm, so- I'm, I'm, to- I'm totally the opposite. I had peanut butter and jam before I even knew peanut butter and jelly was a thing. I used to, I used to do it as a kid and thought this is lovely. And then I saw, I saw the Yanks were doing peanut butter and jelly and thought, why would you put jelly in a sandwich? Realizing mm. it was jam, it was like, oh yeah, I already yeah. do that. Yeah, right, okay. The Americans have missed out on um, is having a growler. <laughs> What? Go on. Go on. That when means someone else in Glasgow, that does. <laughs> it may well be. But you get um, you get sort of like a... You know how you get chip bams when you go to uh, Matlock? Chip bams? Yeah. See, so, my, my missus so get, is northern. She, she speaks for right. me as well. You, you, get, you get some bread and you put some chips in between the bread. Chip butty. The pieces yeah. of bread, yeah. Um, yeah. Well... What you can get around sort of northern Manchester, Wigan area, is you can get what's known as a growler, where effectively <laughs> you get a bread roll and you put a pie in the middle of it. Oh, wow. 
So it's none of this, uh, none of this uh, peanut butter and jelly rubbish um, that our lovely American cousins like, <laughs> where you get a pie in the middle of bread, and it's it's a, it's a proper substantial meal. She was. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! A pie wrapped with chips and bread. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely, yeah. it's a meal in one. It's a million one, one, yeah, and you can take it around with you. It'll fit, it'll fit in your top box. You can literally take it anywhere. <laughs> Sounds like it would fill up the top box. <laughs> can I can I just throw this one back? It's uh, yep. uh, our uh, our uh, our friend there. It's a massive assumption that he's from uh, across the pond. That he's. In I, th- the I think I think eighties from uh, Canada. I think from what I remember. Apologies if you're not if you are American, but I think you were from Canada. Oh, that's all right. They're nice, the Canadians. <laughs> I know it's across the pond, but I was across there a couple of years ago um, in, in the southern state. What's this about grits? What are grits? Grits. Grits in America. It's like burnt porridge oats that are like, um, and they have it with breakfast. So they'll have eggs and sausage and bacon or whatever. And then they have grits. And that is just totally wrong. It's totally wrong. It, it tastes like grit. It comes called grit, and it tastes like grit, and it's flipping horrible. I can't, and they'll put something like treacle on it. That's just, and then they question us for being a Yeah, they question us. Do you know what gets me about Americans? Americans in particular is that they poke fun about how we say aluminium or or uh, niche or, you know, how we pronounce things. And they go, no, no, that's not how you say it. It's aluminum and niche and all this. And I'm like, it's our bloody language. We invented it. <laughs> what are you well, t- technically, Bruce, it's our language. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. True, yeah. very true. <laughs> what are you speaking? Well, it's English. Precisely. <laughs> um, well, there was something in my mind there when you were talking about the food. Bacon. What do Americans do to bacon? They bloody incinerate the stuff. That's not yeah. proper bacon, is it? It's wrong. Oh, it's not it's right. Wrong. And do you know what? I bet Americans don't batter and deep fry Mars bars either. Well, I know they've never lived. They've never lived. No class. Do you know, it, I, I never even knew that existed till I, till I went to uni in Glasgow and, and people were talking about deep fried Mars bars and you, you go into a chipper and there's like a sweet stall behind, behind the chipper. There's like a, you know, chocolate rack and you could pick whatever, you know, you could have like a bounty of Twix, Topic, Mars bar, Snicker, whatever you wanted. And they'd just dip it in batter and deep fry it for you. I'm just, this is insane. But I tell you, once you've had one, oh, wow. It's lovely. Beautiful. <laughs> well worth doing. Try it. Try it. Right. Cheers for that, 80. Sorry about the tirade of abuse your way there, mate. Apologies. <laughs> uh, next one, Lee. Lee Vigor. Uh, Lee was on the podcast last week. No, week before. Hi, Bruce. Hello, all. Firstly, one amazing job you do in keeping people motorcycling. It really does revitalize the soul. It does, mate, doesn't it? Have you ever had an engineering requirement for a disability that you could just not achieve? And also, what is the best brand of motorcycles to adapt? We touched on that one, yeah. Is, is there anything, is there, have you ever had one where you've just not been able to do it? There's, there's not one that I've known of that has been, we've never turned one down. So essentially, they're normally there may be ones that have happened behind the scenes where they've been to an engineer and an engineer is saying, "No, sorry, we can't do this for your disability." Mm-hmm. But we don't get that because we're they're obviously not looking for a grant at that stage. 
Right. So as far as I'm concerned, there have been none that have been uh, rejected or turned down. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, that's the answer to that. And Lee, absolutely love the dog. Love the dog. <laughs> Buddy is amazing, isn't he? I couldn't believe he just sat there. And then when, when Lee put the helmet on him, I was just blown away. My dog, my dog would bite my face off if I tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Nice guy, Lee. Very, very nice chap. Very nice. Next one, Carl Laidlaw. Hi, Bruce, Rick, uh, Rick. Oh, Rick hasn't turned up. Hi, Bruce, Kevin, and Ross. What are the chances of doing an NABD rally at the original site in Edale? Obviously not the main one, but a smaller one. I was very proud to be involved in the Edale rally, playing there for you guys, and so many more afterwards. Oh, his band was called Killer Instinct. Um, yeah, thank, thank you for that, and thank you for everybody that comes and supports us. Most of the bands come and support us, um, and they'll do it for very little. A lot of the times, only travel expenses. Sometimes they do it for absolutely free. They just throw the money back. I know because I'm in the control tent, and they come in, and they say, oh, yeah, I've got £50 worth of expenses, and they chuck it straight into the pot. So Brilliant. thank you for all the bands, all the musicians, everybody who supported us over all the years and everything else. As far as with the rallies, we look around at running rallies at different um, uh, venues all over the UK. We used to have the North and South. We used to have um, uh, the one out of Snowden, and then we have the National. And gradually over the years, partly because of age, partly because of people to actually run them and getting them organised, partly because of venues and getting the right venue, because we don't like to use anybody else's venue. We like it to be kind of exclusive for us. So mm -hmm. there are great biker venues all over the UK, but we don't like to be associated or, or, or fit onto the back of them. Right. Um, it's not been said that we're not going to run any more rallies. We will definitely keep the national going. We're still going to look at Autumn Madness further south, and we're going to look at all the others um, to try and resurrect them and get them in different areas. It's, yet again, time and people mm. power. We need willing bikers, males, females, to come in and help us out. So anybody yeah. out there, yeah. Yeah. come in. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. Our committee meetings are done over Zoom, same venue as this, so we don't have to um, travel. Um, but, yeah, it, it's people, really. It's getting people involved, people who know about it, and people who are willing to give us some time. Um, and then we'll look at it. Rick and myself have, have said we're going to go and try and search to try and find another venue set more south in the UK, um, sort of like the M4E corridor-ish um, across the UK to try and run an autumn madness again. Mm. Um, and then we, we did it up north. We did NAB in the Trotsets all those uh, all those times. We, we'll look again. But it's finding the right people who have got time to actually put time to it. Um, the, the NAB National Rally, we actually made the decision, I think it was um, August last year, to say that we were going to run this year. That's kind of the commitment we have to give it. The lead time, yeah. And then there's a team of people behind it. I know because my, uh, my partner was there. She's the rally sec and she's organising the marshal. There's 130. In fact, we need some marshals. If you want a marshal at the event in May, Drop us a mail, secretary at the nab.org.uk. Send that to Tina and say, I'll come and marshal for you because we're still short. We've got about, I think it's about 110 marshals that we have to organise. That doesn't happen overnight. 110? There's 110, but we're still short. Wow, you're short 110. 
No, no. Wow. We've we've got a hundred and ten. We've shot about it's about thirty. Yeah. Okay. Thirty to run the event. Okay. And all you have to do, you come up to the event, you have to do um, four uh, twelve hours over the weekend. So it's normally four on a Thursday, four on a Friday, four on a Saturday, or four on a Friday, four on a Saturday, four on a Sunday. Or there's some people that come and will do eight hours on Friday and then do four hours on Saturday or Sunday and then mm-hmm. party the rest of the weekend. Um, but yeah, yeah, again, they're volunteers. Um, we do food all over the weekend. I think you have to make a donation of 10 quid and then you get a ticket and you get a breakfast in the morning. These are hot cooked meals in the tent and tea and coffee all, all weekend. You can just walk in there and have food in the evening or lunch or whatever. And then there's a big party on the Sunday where there may be some alcohol drunk and there may be some bands hanging around and there may be a bit of food there as well on the Sunday night. And then Monday, there's a lot of people with bad heads usually. I don't think it's better the food or the music. I think as Ross says, if anybody's interested in sort of getting involved in NABD, then um, being a marshal, uh, you've been NABD, is a really good way of getting to know all of us as an organisation, as well as doing a little bit of good. Um, mm. you know, for NABD, um, but also it's, it's a great way of getting a free weekend pretty much um, away. So you get, you know, you get all the bands for free and you get a chance <laughs> to be able to hang out with the rest of us um, at the rally. Uh, and it's a great way, just a great introduction for people um, to be able to come along. So, yeah, if you want to, uh, if you want to be a marshal, definitely. If, if- for anyone that is considering it, what, what is expected of them? What do they need to do? Like what, what is the role of a oh. marshal? 12 hours. Yeah, but what, what do you do when you're there? Work behind the bar, organise the bands at the back of the arena, pick right. some litter, pick some litter up, go and direct a bit of traffic, park people in certain areas. That's mm-hmm. about it. We do nothing on toilet duty or anything else because that's covered by an outside contractor. So there's nothing involved in any of that. We don't do anything on security because we have our own private security firm on site. We don't need people that. It's just general stuff. Walking around, we need people to organise a bike show, people to go around and sell raffle tickets, people to go around and fence the areas off. Mm. Um, so there's all of these jobs that need doing. Um, and then pick litter on the Sunday and load trucks up and mm. get stuff out of there. And that's it. So there's nothing too onerous in there. And essentially, you turn up for the whole weekend. You can come in on the Thursday, whereas punters aren't allowed in on the Friday. Um, and then you can stay till the Monday. Um, you can camp on site. As I say, we have plenty of parties and we expect 12 hours work out of people how you want to split that is down to you and there are some people like uh, there's various people that do more and they just say i've done four hours on the car park i'm fine for a bit don't fancy a beer yet can i do some more and then they'll go around and do it nice one right folks if there's any of you out there that fancy it or even if you you know you just want a wee bit more info before you decide again check out the show notes check out the vid description i'll put that link um who you need to contact down there and uh, it, it, you're going to be helping out and obviously you get a free weekend out of it as well don't you you get to be part of it yeah. uh, Carl also says I think this is when he thought Rick was coming he says Rick how do you find the time to do all the things that you're involved with comedy roadshow hedgehog hospital and chairman of the NABD you deserve a pint my friend I'll, I'll tell you he doesn't <laughs> he is stretched that thin for is a he? He really is, yeah. He really struck that thin, um, but he's he's still um, the the mainstay of the organisation. He's still fully behind it. He's still fully committed and everything else. 
Um, you can get hold of him when you want him, if we need him for desperate things. Um, but he is spread very, very thinly. Mm. Sounds a top man. Sounds a top man. Next one, Charlie Callard. Evening all. How are you doing, Charlie? So it's a two-parter from me. Question one. Is mint sauce only for lamb or for any roast dinner? Oh, you can have it in a sandwich. You can. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Mint sauce in a sandwich, bit of cheese on it. Oh, fantastic. I've never had that. Yeah, yeah. Especially I'm Lancashire not. cheese or Cheshire cheese, the crumbly <laughs> stuff. Leicester, red Leicester. Oh, you red. don't want any of that. That's plasticky. You want sort of you, you want you want nicely coloured cheese, you know, sort of proper cheese. Um, and the, the stuff that's crumbly, mint sauce on it, it's beautiful. Crumbly uh, cheese. All about that means crumbly chips. That's, that's French, isn't it? <laughs> I love how Ross is having a go at ATCJ Five for having peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> talking about mint sauce with cheese in the sandwich. Never, I've never, I've never heard of that. I'm gonna have to try that out. Mm, okay. Top tip. Um, go on. Sorry. Sorry, I was okay. just saying the top tip. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. I've not had my dinner yet. I'll I'll try that after. Question two: Do you believe in? Or have lucky underwear? Do you know? I don't think no. I do. No. No. no, no. I've got favourite. I've got favourite underwear. Favourite pants. I I think you need to take this question on a bit and actually run with it. And I I, I kind of get this, and I've heard this about people having favourite underwear. But I think it, 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 is there a? Do you have a process for actually putting your underwear on? So is it one sock and then the other sock and it's always the same one and then you're underpants or is it some other way around? You know, your boxers first and then you put your right sock on or your left sock. It, it, rather than favourite underpants, I think, is there a process? Is there a, you know, kind of a thing behind it? I, 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 yeah, I, I always, I think I always whack my boxers on first and then my socks. There you go. There you I think, go. yeah. I don't know why, but I do. Socks first. Work Sox on the bottom and work your way up. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Starting from the bottom, surely that's the underpants. <laughs> but a bunch. <laughs> nice one, Charlie. Keep up the good work, all, uh, all of you, and hope you're all well. All good, Charlie. Thanks very much, pal. Next one, the mad leprechaun, Mark. My friend, Greg Payne, is a member of the NABD. He built his own Triumph Tiger sidecar outfit. He's a former engineer, so he had a head start technically. How difficult or what difficulties do the other members face getting back on the road? Well, it's quite generic, isn't it, that? Um, it is, isn't it? On, on, in honesty, it varies because, again, we've got some members who are brilliant engineers mm -hmm. and brilliant mechanics, and, and for them, generally... Um, they can just crack on and modify their bikes in any way that they want to because they've got the skills to do that. But similarly, you know, we have people who've got absolutely no mechanical experience whatsoever. Um, and for those people, if they get a grant, um, they may choose then to say, well, actually, I don't know anything about how to fit this. Um, and we'll make sure that somebody who's suitably qualified um, we'll get that fitted for them and we'll inspect it and make sure that it's okay for them. So mm. it, it absolutely depends on what the adaption is and the skills of the of the individual concerned. But again, it's our our membership are fantastic because there are many, many instances where somebody said, Well, I want a clicktronic fitted. Um, I live in Wigan, 
and somebody else has said, well, I'm just around the corner, so what I'll do, I'll pump loads of these, I'll pop round um, and I'll fit it for you. So our members are absolutely fantastic in supporting all of our members to make sure that they um, to make sure that they get that. And, and if that's not possible, um, then as Ross said earlier on, we've got lots and lots of different fab and engineering shops um, that we can put people in touch with, and they've got they've got fantastic technical skills. Brilliant. I, th- I think um, I think g- generally bikers bikers who get involved in in any sort of group activity thing, they all tend to be like very generous giving people I've found, you know, like bikers that all get involved with a charity organization. They're all up for all hands to the deck and everybody helps each other out. I say it in my patron, what the questions that we're, we're answering at the moment, I do patron meetups and ride outs, and then they've actually themselves set up their own little private Facebook group so they can all get to know each other. And you see it there with just, you know, anyone that has a problem, they put, they put up a, a query on something and as you said somebody just turns around and goes yeah i can help you with that whereabouts are you i'll come and help it's it's it's, it just seems to i find biking in general just seems to it seems to highlight some of the best parts of people i'm not i appreciate not all bikers are like that but i think when 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 you when you open something up to people and people join it, that type of person that, that gets involved in that, they all tend to be of a similar mindset, don't they? All hands to the deck and we'll help each other out. Definitely. Uh, uh, sort of Mark was asking there how difficult or what are the difficulties for getting back on the road? Yeah, we sort of we sort of covered that really, didn't we? In that <clears throat> it, it, it's it's quite bespoke, isn't it? It's all it's all different. Everybody's sort of challenge that they're facing can be different can't it uh well mark's got a part two i've just seen sorry how excited are you about learning to to drive a sidecar you knew it was coming (laughs) mark has been on at me for sheesh must be four years five years now to he rides a sidecar and he's been trying to get me to go and learn how to ride a sidecar with him for that four or five years. We've now now narrowed down a date, 9th of July. I'm going up his way and uh, he's going to get me on a sidecar. So, yes, I am looking forward to it, Mark, definitely. That's brilliant. I'd love to do that. Have you, have you, never, have you never ridden a sidecar? Never ridden a sidecar, no. No, me either. Me either. I'm looking forward to it. See how we get on. Uh, right, next one. Cheers, Mark. Uh, the Bolt Hole Biker. Hi all. I've recently started going for some ride outs with a guy who is still biking despite some pretty major disabilities due to injuries on a very lightly modified bike as well. To be honest, I find his courage and determination to keep riding despite the the restrictions that he has quite inspiring. I know from speaking to him that despite his physical limitations, a big part of his journey back onto bikes was the mental side of things and negotiating getting back on a bike with his friends and family. How much of this side of things do you come across and get involved in? as opposed to the purely physical elements. That's something I was thinking, actually, you know, like the, the mental side of things, is that is that addressed by NABD? Do you, I mean, do you have anything in place to help people with that or about, what happens? About the only things we do have are all the pages that are out there and just talking to, yeah. uh, so whether it's um, talking to the reps that are actually at the events and everything else or on the Facebook pages and everything else, everybody's there to support you. There's kind yeah. of not very often there's any negative uh, posts or negativity there um, uh, within the organisation. 
But certainly, if anybody does have any reservations, please come on to me. Um, in my other role, I'm also a trained mental health first aid um, first aider as well. Um, mm. So I deal with several people. So if you've got kind of any reservations or you need to know about anything, then by all means, come through to me. Brilliant. I imagine that when you when you find yourself in a position whereby you. you you know, you, you lose a limb or you lose part of your vision or for whatever reason you become uh, disabled in some form. I imagine it must be very isolating to go through something like that. And you must feel like you're, you're you obviously you must know that you're not the only person to go through it, but you must feel very alone and sort of isolated. Yeah, and I imagine I, I an organisation. So. I, I think one of the things is that we... We sort of we sort of talk about things like um, the bereavement curve, yeah. um, you know, which is something that's sort of well known, um, and and that's that's typically the same process that people will go through um, when they either discover a disability or they have a trauma which leads to a disability. It's it's that sort of it's that sort of shock bereavement curve that people go through where. You know, they start off blaming other people. Um, mm. And then as they go further and further down, they start blaming themselves. Mm. And they get into that sort of pit where they really have sort of reached the bottom. Um, and, and it's at that point then that people sort of make almost two decisions. They either make a decision that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they either make a decision that they want to do something about it in which case they start to do some preparation um, and they, you know, they, they, they maybe <coughs> start to collect resources by looking over the internet and seeing what else is out there. Yeah. Um, either that or they decide that actually, you know, my disability is so bad that there's no way that I'm going to ever ride again, in which mm. case, in which case, in many ways, they just, they just leave the hobby um, mm. and start to do other stuff. Um, you know, so, it's that I, I think people generally go through a similar process. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on the disability as to how people go through that and how quickly people go through that. You know, for some people, it can be really slow. And for some people, it can literally be 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, they go right the way through that process and, and they're, they're back out the other side and they're, they're, you know, they're keen to get going again. So it is, it's very individual um, and, and depends on so many different factors. Yeah, and and again, the beauty the beauty of the NEBD there is that what I think once people once people are aware of you and they've made that step to contact you guys, effectively you already you have a ready made community of people who have something in common with someone that's just you know uh, uh, being exposed to 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 this new world you know and I I, I can only in my head, I can only imagine that it must, it must be, I don't want to say relief. I don't want to make light of it, but you know, it must, it must be a bit of a relief to people to realize, Oh, hang on a minute. There's other people out there that yeah. have felt what I felt and look at them. They're back riding there, you know, getting on with things and cracking on. So it's it, again, it's the mental health side of things, isn't it? But it's rather than having somebody one-on-one -on -one to talk with, you've got a group there that you can normalize with, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're not, someone out of the ordinary you're you've got something in common now well, i think that's one of the good things about the internet is the fact that if people want a one-on-one -on -one discussion with somebody who's mm. maybe got a similar disability or maybe at a similar stage um then there are people there in the membership that they can have a conversation with definitely yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, we got to get the word out as much as we possibly can, don't we? Right. Get thinking caps on after this. But next one, uh, Carl Laidlaw. I think Carl's already asked the question, but you're welcome back again, Carl. Uh, hi, Bruce. Have you offered your services to play at the NABD rally with Dickie doing your excellent version of oh, 500 miles? <laughs> oh, my mate, Richie Vida. Well, 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 we had standards at the rally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you said that because I was like, no, I got a bit, I got a bit drunk. Uh, he does a big fight, uh, bike festival every year called the Wild Bad, uh, uh, oh God, uh, Wild Bad Weekend, and he has his own band, so he gets loads of bands playing and stuff. And uh, we were doing the podcast up on stage one day, and I can't remember why, but somebody got me drunk enough to start singing the Proclaimers 500 miles. <laughs> so now they expect me to do that any event I go to. No, Carl, <laughs> I will not be doing that. Uh, right. Uh, we're skipping over that. We're skipping over that. I, uh, we are. <laughs> yeah, but he's got a bike rally there with music and everything else. Where's our invitation for the NABD to come up there? Um, what, for Richie's? The- yeah. Right. I, 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 do you know what? I'll speak with Rich. Back I'll speak. Uh, right. I'll, I'll speak. He does his charity is is blood bikes because they have a bit of a sort of almost family connection with that. Uh, one of their good mates lost a son um, who wanted to be a blood biker, so they've done loads yeah. of work with blood bikes. I'll chat with him and see. You might you might be able to um, do something else. We'll see. Well, in addition to them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to steal it off the blood bikers. It's just having a present there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. I'll have a chat with I'll have a chat with Rich and see. Might be something that you can do. I have I have no no involvement, no say in it. I just turn up and drink beer. That, that was amazing, though, Rich. Seeing that blood bike, that was just superb. Incredible, wasn't it? And again, it Absolutely. comes down to community, doesn't it? It comes yeah. down to the biking community and just how yeah. generous people are. Awesome, awesome. I mean, poor, poor old. Uh, Alfie there, he was, he's made up, absolutely made up to, to get the bike in his boy's name. Right, we shall move across to uh, Facebook. We'll go across to Facebook now for the next lot of questions. Massive thanks to everybody on Patreon there who um, who left some questions. And I may as well give a shout out now. Thank you very much to all of you on Patreon for, uh, for joining the clan because, as I keep saying, I, I literally could not be doing this without the support of everybody on Patreon. So thank you very much for that. Patreon.com forward slash teapot1. Uh, and while we're at it, I'll give another shout out to uh, one of our sponsors. And we are also sponsored by Ultimate, uh, no, we've already done that, Inov. Uh, Inov, they sponsor the main Teapot One channel as well as the podcast. They produce the motorcycle dash cams. You've probably seen the vids I've done on them. They've had the single camera C5 and the dual camera front and rear K-series. used to be the K2. I think that's gone now. They've got the K3, which is the 1080 system. And they have a K5, which I've got on the tractor now, 4K front camera, 1080 rear camera, Great bits of kits. It's fully autonomous, fit and forget. Once you turn the ignition on, the cameras start recording straight away. They've even got a parking mode so that when that's enabled, even though the bike's switched off, if the bike's moved at all whilst you're away, the cameras kick in and they record whatever's going on. So if if your bike's like nudged in a car park by another car, it should hopefully capture who's responsible. It's one of these bits of kit, folks, that you think, you know, 300 quid, 400 quid, it's a lot of money for, for... for something, am I ever going to need it? You probably will never need it until you need it. And uh, 
if you get involved in an incident, the first thing insurance asks is, is there CCTV? Believe you me, I have uh, been involved in a couple, sadly. That's the first thing they ask. If you don't have a witness and you haven't got CCTV, most insurance companies at the very least will go 50-50 if there's a bike involved. Generally, they'll probably go against the bike. There are a number of cases within of now that are coming through where people uh, were going to be uh, facing a 50-50 and on one case actually the other party was blaming the biker entirely once they produced the CCTV from the end of 100% in favour of the rider so it is well worth investing and having that on your bike if you head to inov inovv.co.uk uh, actually, I've got an affiliate link down below. Check that. Use that link, please, because that tells them that you've come from me. And if you use the code TEAPOT, T-E-A-P-O-T, you'll get 5% off of any of the cameras, the Inov, Techologic, or there's, I think it's Vioform. It's a car one. There's three different types of cameras that they do. You'll get 5% off of any of those cameras. Right. I'm back, gents. Apologies about that. But it pays the bills and allows me to do this. So, uh, right, across onto Facebook. So that's just on facebook.com forward slash teapot1. First one, Tony Hannum. Hi, all. Hope you're all well. My question is, is the law in this country a help or a brick wall regarding disabled uh, regarding a disabled rider? That's a good point. Now, in terms of um, modifications to bikes, I mean, is there, is there are there any sort of, MOT specifications specific to adaptations or, you know, when you adapt a bike, does that have to be checked over by anybody? Is there like criteria that have to be met or can you just do whatever you like? They still have to meet the MOT standards, et cetera, mm-hmm. same as any other machine that's on the road. So they have to be right. um, so they're there. But yeah, certainly the fact of swapping levers over and everything else um, to to other sides of the machine or trikes, obviously they go through. And then they have to be uh, they have to be tested in the proper way to deal with them. So they're right. tested the same as anything else. But there is nothing else. Um, unfortunately, there were some uh, comments about insurance companies loading people, that they're loading people for somebody who's got a disability. They're not doing this out of I want to make it look nice. I want to make it look sparkly. I want to make it sound right. They're, yeah. they're adapting this out of necessity. And yeah. um, so we have got certain insurers that we work with. Um, we'll uh, find ways around this so uh, it, it doesn't normally come up with a problem. I don't know whether you've had any experience or things on that on uh, Facebook, Kevin. Yeah, I think the um, <clears throat> I think the theory is that the um, I suppose the introduction of some of the laws on modifications um, might mean that um, typically modifications will be less easy to do in the UK. Um, and I think one of the dangers of that is that then those modifications end up going elsewhere. So you end up with your modifications being, you know, um, being arranged in China or in India or wherever, mm. where the sort of technical standards might not be as good. Um, and I think for me personally, uh, this is not sort of speaking as nabbed, but for me personally, I think I think that's the danger um, is that if if we... Um, if we push through the legislation that stops modification yeah. or makes it really difficult to do, it's that case of, as, as Ross said, it's not, like, it's not like people are doing it just because they want a new exhaust or they want mm-hmm. some levers that match the colour of the bike. Yeah, um, it's a necessity. Know, 
Yeah, absolutely. These are these are essential modifications that they're having to do. And, mm-hmm. and the danger is if if we if we end up, you know, taking it to the nth degree and we outlaw any modification in the UK, um, then the difficulty is then that you start, you know, you start importing modified bikes um, and you, you know, you start reducing the um, I suppose the quality really. Um, the QA of those of it, modifications. Yeah. That's the danger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and I think something there that we we spoke about quite early on in, in the podcast, um, one of the major things that you, you find uh, a bit of a restriction are actually having training schools that will cater for disabled riders. So it's not exactly a, a it's not exactly a legal thing. It's 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 the actual practicalities of it. Like how, how do you actually get your license in the first place? If you get if you want to be if you're disabled and you want to become a biker uh, legally, how how do you do that? Where do you go to get to get the school that's going to help? And hopefully we might be able to address that after this. We might be able to put you in touch with somebody. Uh, cheers for that, Tony. Hope you're enjoying the new bike, pal. Uh, Phil Thomas. This is my late father, who we sadly lost to a bike accident a couple of years back. Sorry, Phil. However, he lost his right leg above the knee back in about 1978 and never stopped riding. Just after losing his leg, he did try riding solo for a bit, but he had a, sorry, he had a, oh, blimey, I've just extended the question and there's loads. Uh, But he had a couple of accidents where the knee and his false leg didn't lock, so he fell over. So in the end, he went to using a chair. Until the early 2000s, he used his bike daily come wind or snow, and it was only his, his only means of transport. He only ended up doing his driving lessons in his 50s as he couldn't afford it and didn't qualify for disability allowance as he was deemed too fit, even though he had a leg missing. That could be a good conversation piece as it was crazy that an aging man with a false leg was deemed too fit to qualify for disability support. Well, yeah, we sort of touched on that right at the start, didn't we? Um, I mean... <clears throat> Do you, do you do you guys have like any facilities to help people with with claiming I, I, what is it called? Is it are they called grants or or disability allowances? Do you have any sort of advice or or any, any way you can point people in a direction to perhaps get some financial government support? Um, if anybody's in that situation or in that. Uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of situation, um, then they should be coming to us. We have people that will actually deal with it. Brilliant. Uh, whoever that is, but uh, between between the team of people, um, and it's normally the uh, either Rick or Bargerian, they will know or they will have dealt with issues in the past. Yeah, and they know what the pros and cons are around there. Um, to actually get through it, but certainly with motability and everything else that's on there, unfortunately, um, it's either cars or wheelchair accessibility cars or motability scooters, and that's it. So bikes yeah. not included. Um, but we'll we'll certainly if we don't know, we we know where to go and find out. We also know we have ins into um, the DBSA as well or the DBLA to actually say. This is the point. This is why, and this is why we're saying it. So, yeah. listen to this guy. And yet, this guy's been writing in for this girl, this guy, old girl. They've been writing in for three years and they've got no answers and they've just been stonewalled. If mm. anybody's got any problems like that, come to us because we have other ways of getting through it and we are known 
within either the licensing or the DDSA authority. We work with them all. We work with DDSA, DDLA, and Highways Agency at various levels. So we have ways to get in there. Nice um, yeah. So we, we've got contact. Great. Right. Next one, Jonathan Rogers. I just had a quick scan of that actually before. Um, but, but, whilst you were chatting, I think this addresses what we've just been speaking about. Jonathan Rogers, I'm a disabled biker and fellow vlogger. I recently lost my pip due to the sole argument of you can ride a motorbike. What would anybody recommend I do regarding the issue? I put in for, a, excuse me, a reconsideration, but they didn't submit it. So I'll have to start with the whole process again. So basically I'm assuming from what you just, you just said there, Ross, Jonathan contact NABD and, um, I'll have some advice for you. Yeah, we, we've got advice on licensing, the laws around it, riding, driving, etc. We can get around all that. If it's <clears throat> about payments for disabilities, um, the general payments, we don't deal with anything like that. So if he's on about your PIP, your independence payment, and just for claiming his funds, we, we don't get involved in that. We'll only get involved with licensing laws, Right, vehicle right. laws or rules, insurance rules, anything to do with actually riding bikes. That's what we're actually involved with. Okay. All right. If Jonathan wants advice about PIP, then contact Citizens Advice because they're, they're pretty good and they typically in every Citizens Advice office, they will have at least two or three people who are experts on um, benefits. Right. And they'll be, they'll be able to help him to put his case forward in the best way that he can. Okay. Well, there you go, Jonathan. Citizens' advice. What What about like your your private Facebook group? Would that be something that would be open to him just to have a chat in case there's anybody else out there that's possibly been in a similar position? Yeah, absolutely. If he if he joins our uh, Facebook group, he can put a post on there, ask questions on there. And I'm sure, I'm I'm pretty sure that there are going to be people who've gone through exactly the same yeah. process yeah. Um, that he's going through now. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, Jonathan. Again, I'll leave all all the links for for anybody's website and its socials and everything like that down below. So make sure you check that out, Jonathan. Um, I won't read out the other parts that you've put in there, mate. But thank you very much for for what you've you said to me, mate. I appreciate that massively. Uh, next one, Brendo rides motorbikes. What technologies have filtered down from racing to aid disabled riders? Things like button quick shifters and now the decent Honda automatics, the DCT. That's a good question. Do you do you see stuff filtering down then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, as you've said, the push button um, gear change. Um, uh, there was something that um, I think it was Visor Down had a little um, a little thing on about um, twin levers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, effectively you have both brakes on a single lever yeah. um, so that you can, you can more quickly flick between them. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, we we install twin levers on, on bikes. Um, if people can't operate a foot brake, then we can move that foot brake onto a lever. So mm -hmm. in effect, you've got, you can have, you can either do them linked or you can have two levers. One yeah, lever for the thumb front, brake one as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of stunt, a stunt, uh, stunt riders. They do that, don't they? They have they have thumb brakes and yeah, yeah a lot, of, a lot of the road racers as well because they've lost they've lost fingers or they just <laughs> dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do all sorts of stuff. Good so question. I think, that, I think a lot of it does filter down. Yes. Mm, nice one. Uh, right, the last one from Facebook, David Bishop. 
Uh, Bruce, are you familiar with mental health motorbikes? Yes, I am. Uh, I met them at BSB round last year. Great blokes, maybe worth getting them. Apologies, he's just saying that it may be worth... Uh, so this is where uh, it's a bit of a, a drawback of not pre-reading the questions beforehand. He's basically just saying mental health motorbike um, could be good for the podcast. Yes, for sure. I, I, I know some of the chaps there. I've chatted to them before and I, we did initially speak about it, so I'll, I'll chase it up. Cheers, David. Thank you for that. Um, I imagine that would be a bit of a, a crossover with, with you guys, perhaps, is it? Mental health? It is. I, yeah, I actually spoke with them at, uh, I can't remember where it was. I actually saw them there and I left them my name, email address, et cetera, and said, yeah, mm. I'm because obviously with what I do with the NABD and yep. uh, mental health awareness, and I said, mm. look, I'm here, right in the middle of the country. So, uh, yep. so uh, I'm just awaiting contact from them. But uh, yeah, if anybody's listening from the mental health, uh, uh, yeah, get in touch with me as well. Brilliant. I, I did one of the, right at the start of lockdown, actually, they invited me onto their, it's not exactly a podcast, it's more like a, it's more like, I think it's like a monthly get together they have on online. So um, we did that. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was good. Uh, right. Okay. We'll move across onto Instagram. But before we do that, it's the last one of the sponsors, and that is the Influencer Store. Now, I have some blurb to read out for them. The Influencer Store helps you build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design, and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop us an email at online at influencerstore.co.uk for more information. As I always say, folks, if you've ever bought any of my merch over at teapot1.com, that's all handled by uh, the Influencer Store. Great folks to deal with. Roger and Charlotte, husband and wife, family-run business. Uh, they're, they're made by them here in Wales. It's good quality stuff. Never had any complaints about it. So um, definitely, if you have a a merch line that you have or you're thinking of getting up and running, drop Influencer Store a shout. Okay, so we'll go across to Instagram, which is uh, instagram.com forward slash teapot one Insta. First one here is Stephen Tooth 7 Please say you're getting the big yin on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. With your contacts with Billy Connolly, any chance you could put a word in for me, please, to get them on this, this podcast? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've, only, I've only ever seen Billy Connolly once and I saw him and it was it was on his last tour and do you know what I mean he was he was much slower than he was obviously and Parkinson's has taken a toll but he was still funny as bits you know what I mean he's still sharp he just he just wasn't quick with his movements and his delivery but oh it was brilliant brilliant have you ever met him? Great mind no I haven't met him but I've been to his show yeah, awesome, isn't it? I just love that. I love that banter, that sense of humour. And what I found moving moving to Glasgow was that there are so many Glaswegians like that. There are so many Glaswegians just with his patter. It's brilliant. They could read the weather report out and have you in stitches. I loved it. Right, next one. Lee into the wild. How you doing, Lee? Awesome. I've seen how their work benefits people firsthand. They supported a friend of mine with MS, helping him oh, helping him with his trike. But he hasn't got a question, just saying he's um he's he's seen your work at first hand. Brilliant. Uh Patrick 
L. Column. I guess one question for me would be, do you think manufacturers need to wake up to people that have a difficulty even to get on a bike, or is there too small a market for the big firms to consider some stock fitments? Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's too much of a bespoke thing, isn't it? No, I don't think it no. is. Do I not? don't think it is now, um, because I think things are changing in the biking world. Um, I think a lot of the modifications that we're doing, particularly the sort of low-level stuff, the very sort of simple, straightforward, like like the push-button gear change, yeah. um, things like that, um, I think they, they also apply um, to people. Um, I'm sort of looking up and down at, both, at the three of us, um, sort of apply to people of our ages. You know, hmm. when you start to get a little bit achy and you stay, it's more difficult to get your leg over the bike, um, it's true it is true <laughs> you know i think i think it's happening more and more and i think i think as the average age of bikers increases then i think this is going to be something that's uh more widespread than just people with disabilities i think mm. it's going to impact on oh, people who are older yeah because we've yeah. got more older we've got more older riders and i think if you look at the statistics on things like um royal enfield's meteor you know, that's for the last few months, that's been absolutely flying out of the showroom. But it's interesting when you look at the demographic of people who are buying it. So it's a much lower bike. It's a much lower capacity bike. But it generally tends to be people who are sort of, you know, sort of 50, 60 plus. Mm. Those typically tend to be the people who are buying it. And I think they're okay. buying it because it's lighter. It's easier to get on. It's easier to ride. They don't feel they need the power anymore. Um, so I, I personally think the manufacturers are missing a trick. You know, I think I think some of them are starting to latch onto it. You know, we've, we've mentioned the sort of DCT gearboxes um, a couple of times now, mm. uh, and I think some of the manufacturers are sort of starting to wake up to the fact that not everybody who rides a bike is your typical sort of twenty-five to thirty-five-year-old. You know, yeah. I think I think that demographic is getting older. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, therefore, the needs of those um, older riders um, are are sort of, um, I suppose, they're, they're sitting there begging to be met. Um, but I also think, you know, if you think about um, the number of women now who are riding bikes, you know, again, the sort of physiology when we look at women um, is slightly different than men. Um, and therefore, again, you know, motorcycle manufacturers need to start sort of um, understanding that as a marketplace, that actually there are more women now riding, riding bikes and therefore it's really important that their needs are met. So I think mm. a lot of this stuff is is going to end up being quite mainstream. And the, one, the ones that are going to pick up on it are the, are the, uh, the manufacturers that are actually going to wipe to the doors. I know going back, and certainly when I first joined that, they, they actually said to me, don't bother going and knocking on the doors of the manufacturers because you'll get the door slammed in your face. Because mm. there's that big mark. You're putting disability with bikes. That's your charity. The name's on the door. You know what I mean? And that's what you're doing, and they won't want to be associated with it. Mm. Um, we have spoken in the last few months to a couple of major manufacturers that have actually opened the door to us now, and they're going, yeah, there's a demographic here, and we understand it. We understand what you're doing. So there is a complete sea change there that manufacturers will now speak to us, will now open a door, and are appreciating that. 
not just mm. on age, but on disabilities as well. Um, so so it's, it's all the things around it. The stigma is being broken down. One one that just jumps to my mind while you're talking is Triumph, just because uh, Triumph seem to be, they seem to be creating bikes for, and vari- like model variations of bikes almost every week. They seem to be dropping a new one. So just as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe that's something Triumph would, would be involved. I appreciate you probably can't say, but um, that's okay. one that jumps to my mind. Yeah, I can't say the manufacturers yeah. we're involved Fair with. No, I uh, understand. Yeah, I do live near Hinkley, though. <laughs> All received. Um, <laughs> what's your views on electric? That, that's, the, that's the end of our question. So thank you very much to everybody that submitted questions. Your views on electric then, because in my mind, like let's take let's take the passion and the soul argument out of it, that when people go electric, you know, it's, it's just passionless, it's got no soul, blah, 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 blah. Electric to me, there's no gears. They're, they're really heavy, but very low down. They're like they're like even better than boxer engines. They're, they're so low. So center gravity is so low. So they're very, very stable and easy to ride. That to me sort of screams that that, that could be a very, a, a really good fit for yeah. for somebody who yeah. has a, a disability with riding. Do you have any experience with that? I think, I think that? it will be eventually. Um, mm. I think it's about... I think it's about, for me, the main thing is about range. Um, mm. I was at the bike show in Manchester and I was looking at, there was a little one, sort of one, two, five-ish type bike, but it was electric. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was about something like about four grand. Um, mm-hmm. But it was a really nice looking bike. So the design side of it was really nice. Um, it, I think the maximum speed it did was about 65. So you sort of think, well, that's that's sort of usable. You know, if you're mm-hmm. commuting on something like that, that's usable. Um, but the range was 60 miles. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the difficulty. The, the difficulty is the, the sort of restricted range and the lack of charging facilities. And mm. I think once they start to develop, then absolutely, I think electric bikes have got a place. I've I've quite a bit of experience now with with electric. I've been I've been riding electric on and off for the last four possibly five years now, and I actually just did a, a, a vid. Well, I've just filmed it. I've not edited it yet. But is another YouTuber, Fentour, who has an electric bike. He's actually bought one. He's made the leap and he's bought one. So um, I said, why don't we get together and I'll come out on my tractor on the GS. You go out on the electric and we'll just go. We use Kalimoto, which is like a, uh, they have a random ride feature. So I turned up at his place, whacked it on 140 mile random route. Let's just go for a ride. See how we get on. What, what, what effect does it have going out with an electric bike in your group? Do you know what I mean? Because everyone, everyone thinks you're just going to spend your day charging and you're not going to be able to do anything. Well, we overcharged. We, we, we charged twice and we would have got away with just charging once. And it really didn't have any impact at all in our day. We actually stopped longer than we needed to just because we were having a coffee and chatting you know, in, in one of the stops. And we didn't need to stop that long because 20 minutes would have had the bike charged up to back up to 80%. So it's it's a bit of an eye opener. I think with electric, the the issue these days is if there's more than one of you on an electric bike. Because when I was doing stuff with the TV show last year, three of us went out on electric bikes. Can't do it. You can't do it. If there's three of you, even two bikes pose the problem because you turn up at these, these, 
bespoke electric charging car parks where they have 16 or 18 charging points, one of them worked. <laughs> Out of all of them, one worked. So, you know, in the end, we, we had to charge three bikes off of one port and it was slow AC stuff, which meant, you know, that screwed up the whole day. Whereas mm-hmm. with one bike, it was possible. With one electric bike and me on a petrol, genuinely didn't have any impact on the day. Now, I appreciate if you wanted to go and do a 200-mile day, a 300-mile day, a 400-mile day. But I think put your hand on your heart. Most people out there, when you go for a ride, you probably won't even be doing 100 miles in the day. You might not even be doing 120 miles in the day. If you put your hand on your heart and actually look at the mileage that you've covered. So I don't think it's as... I don't think it's as big of a deal as everyone automatically says. It is it is a factor, but it's not as big a deal, I think, as a lot of people say. And it's getting better. I don't think it's as far off as it no. used to be. Mm. I think it and, you know, I think I think we're getting there just in terms of the numbers of charges and the availability of charges. You know, mm. I think I think that's happening already. Um, and I think that's only going to accelerate over the next sort of five or ten years. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, you know, that that's when it's going to get really interesting yeah. because, you know, when you can when you can literally pull up on three electric bikes, plug them all in at the same time and they charge within 30 minutes and you're back Definitely. out and on and off after having a coffee. You know, yeah. that's 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 the point when it's going to be really um, it's, it's going to be a real sort of viable alternative. I, I think I think to facilitate I think to facilitate this. It's going to require every every business premises out there, everyone that has a physical presence on the high street anywhere, you're going to have to offer electric charging. A cafe have electric charging. Do you know what I mean? The bank have electric. Everywhere is going to have to have a charging pod, isn't it? It's, in order for this to, to be viable, it's, it just has to happen. Or, or they develop some sort of interchangeable battery system so you rock up at what we call a petrol station you pay your money you put your old battery in get a new battery out whack it in and off you go if you can accommodate the practicalities and the convenience of petrol in electric you're on to a winner but how do you how do you how do you deal with the QA of those batteries you know what I mean like you'll get a battery off somebody that they've used for the last three years and it's it's coming to the end of its recycle life and they take out a brand spanking new one. Well, the next person that comes along takes that cruddy old battery and gets like twenty percent, thirty percent of its of its actual efficiency. Well, I, I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know about the technicalities, but it makes me think that actually, in most parts of the UK, we've got street lights, and mm. those street lights have got electricity in them. Funnily enough, because mm. the electricity gets switched on at the top. Um, you know, so, so there's a, you know, there's, there's a feed going into those. And again, I don't know about the technicalities, um, you know, or whether that would actually work, but it Mm. does strike me that you've got all of these electricity points along different roads. Um, and it strikes me that there must be something that we could do there. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, when when you start thinking about of elect, I genuinely don't think electric's the answer. I, I think mm. I think we're robbing Peter to pay Paul with electric yeah. because yeah. there's all the other issues that come with it. You know, in order to make these batteries, there's an environmental impact. Um, you need electricity. You need so much more electricity now if everyone goes electric. Well, where do you get that electric from? You're not going to get it right. from wind turbines and solar, are you? You know, fossil fuel is going to be needed for a lot of this. 
Do you think hydrogen is going to be the next thing? I would love. Uh, sorry, go on. Hydrogen fuel cell or the mm-hmm. Flintstones? That's the only you go. I th- and nuclear. I think nuclear. I think the answer is right there, but nobody wants to. I think it's just it's got such a bad rep because of, well, obviously because of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the the, the military side of it, and um, because of Chernobyl. But I mean that Chernobyl was that's what 50, 60 year old technology. We've moved on a long way from that now. I, I think I think it'll end up going. I think nuclear power is going to be the way. Hydrogen. I've had I've had some electric specialists on and we've chatted about it and I've brought hydrogen up. Lots of people have brought hydrogen up before. And I've had some like scientists comment afterwards on the podcast and basically saying that, you know, hydrogen is just so inefficient. It's something like 20% efficient compared to um, electric, which is, or or is it, or is it petrol fossil fuel is 80% or 90% efficient. So I think hydrogen at the moment where technology is, it's just so inefficient. It's just not viable for, for small machines like bikes. That's why you get hydrogen buses and big things. The bigger the vehicle, apparently, the more efficient it can be. But it's just not possible at the moment to bring hydrogen technology into a into something as small as a bike. Interesting to see where we're going to go with it all, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gents, that's all the questions done. Um, is there anything you guys want to discuss? Silence. Kevin, I thought you were uh, um I, I thought you were gonna go with this. Sorry. <laughs> I think I, I think I think the only thing that we would like to say to people is um, there's a number of ways that you can help now um, to sort of uh, I suppose further our aims and further the aims of of uh, bikers generally. Um, and I think I think one thing is become a member. It's like sort of twenty five quid a year, um, and well, anybody can join. Anyone anybody at all. can join. Yeah, you don't need okay. to be disabled to join now. All right. Um, just in the same way, you don't have to be a member of NAB to apply for a lot for, to apply for a grant. Um, you know, they're not. We, we don't sort of tie those up. So you, you can become a member. That's sort of twenty five quid a year. Um, join our uh, Facebook group um, because that will be hilarious for you, and you'll learn lots. And for those of you that are sort of technically minded, you'll be able to contribute lots as well. Mm. Um, if you run a business, we have um, a business affiliate. Um, program. So what we can do is we can tie you up with NAB's uh, members. So we've got about twelve thousand members. Um, so if if you're if you have a business that services bikers in any sort of way, then obviously you know we can direct you to those twelve thousand members. Um, and the costs are as little as uh, fifty quid a year, um, and that rises up dependent upon what level of uh, exposure you want to our members. And again, if anybody is part of a, a motorcycle club uh, or a motorcycle group, again, we have um, a motorcycle club affiliate program. Um, and again, uh, we, we can get you on board as an affiliate um, to, um, again, to sort of um, get that relationship going with NAND. Mm-hmm. Anything I've missed, Ross? I'm sure there is. And that started about 30 quid to do that for uh, club affiliation. So that's in there, but yeah family membership, membership like that. Come down and help us. Um, chuck a pound in a pot. Donate button on the website. If you donate to us, every penny of that is going to help people back on the road. We need right. it. You know, we've come through the uh, the WhatsApp. 
academic and the shutdown and everything else. We have to do all that. Uh, so we've done all that. We're still granting. We're still getting people back on the road. Uh, or still getting people on the road. There's a learner loners out there. Um, we do loads of things. Uh, like that, or just come in the field and let's uh, let, let's get drunk together. Um, <laughs> buy yourself a ticket. I, in fact, I've not bought my bloody tickets for the rally this year yet. I still buy tickets for the rally, even though I've been turn up before it even opens and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, right. I mean, the cost of them is just ridiculous. So I throw that there and, you know, I just get there. Come and have a beer with us in the field. Come and listen to some music, some great jokes, and the comedy club and everything else. Come and give us a hand. Um, I think back- from Ross and I, thanks very much, Bruce, really, for uh, for hosting My us pleasure. tonight. Really, we've both really enjoyed it, um, and it's been you know there's been some really interesting conversations as well. Me yeah, too, well, gents. Yeah, yeah, me too. When are we doing this again? Whenever you want. Genuinely, whenever you want. Um, I've got I've got some ideas in my head, which I'll I'll chat to you about once we we stop this. Um, yeah, I think there's some there's some things we can do here for sure, folks. If you want to get involved, um, again, they need marshals, so you know you, you're going to get a free you're going to get a free weekend out of this if you just donate a little bit of your time, twelve hours out of the course of the like the three day weekend there. Just get yourself onto the link for the website down below. Uh, I'll leave the the. Details there. Contact them. Offer your services. If you can do, it, if you can give them help at all with any exposure, if you're interested in sponsoring anything like that, just drop my line. And uh, most importantly, people get the name NABD out there. Spread yeah. the name out there. Anyone that you know that you think might help from it, direct them towards these guys. Sponsor a beer barrel. We have never ever yet had a beer barrel name that we've not put up there, and it's that is a challenge. And he's taught me some new words. <laughs> I've, I've got to try and come now just to see this beer. I've got to see well, if I can rearrange this. <laughs> honestly, they are brilliant. People pay 75 quid and they've come up with some absolutely outstanding names. And you imagine going and standing at the bar, ordering. <laughs> I can't even say any of them. Yeah, you, know you can. I mean? Go on. Yeah, you're ordering somebody's, you know, like uh, uh, Bruce's old scrotum. Um, can I have a pint of Bruce's old scrotum, please? Because um, somebody's decided to stitch you up. Yeah, or I think uh, somebody uh, will know. How much yeah. is it to sponsor a beer bottle? Seventy-five quid to sponsor a beer bottle. Five quid. Whatever you want. You know what I mean? If you want to call it Bruce's Japside, then we'll go with it. Anything they you can put any name on it you want. GMF butt plug. There you go. Come on, somebody out there must be able to do that. There you go. There you go. Gents, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an education and a bit of an eye-opener, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I've got a few ideas. We'll have a wee chat in a second, but thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate you um, spending a couple of hours of your time there, and thank you very much for everything that you do, because it's at the end of the day, it's something that every single one of us out there who ride, well, you don't even need to be riding. Every single one of us out there could need their assistance at some point in the future or know somebody that might need their assistance. So thank you for everything that you're doing, gents. Thank you. Uh, folks, again, links for all the NEBD stuff will be down below. Please do send them your support. Help out in any way you can. From me, a massive thanks to all of you who listen to the podcast and watch the vids. You can now rate the podcast, not only on Apple Podcasts, but you can also rate it on Spotify. Please do, if you can, 
it is a massive help in terms of uh, rating it in the charts and everything like that. And that then helps the podcast in lots of different ways. So uh, guys, thanks for coming on. Stay online. We'll have a wee chat in a second. Folks, hope you've enjoyed it. Look after yourselves. Keep doing whatever you can. Look after those that you love. Get on out there and live your life. Woo-ha! Right, gents, let me stop this.